audio dialogue is happening. Dialogue. It's popping. Um, I should really have a list before we start, shouldn't I? Probably. Good idea. Okay. Okay, I have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Cool. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. It's called Culture Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Culture Bucket, Georgia Hi, welcome everyone to episode 22 of Culture Bucket. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going evil. We're getting villainous. <laughs> we are going to be talking about villains from the films today. Top five villains. A nice and simple one. Should be fun. I'm your host, George, and with me is your equally important, if not more important, host, Alex. How you doing, Alex? Hi, George. I'm okay. Hi, everyone. They can't reply. <laughs> <laughs> but you can you really, reply. You really said that as if you expected somebody to say something back. No, you started it. You started the episode while I was trying to say something and you just rudely interrupted I know. me. But it's fine. It's fine. You know, that's how things go. Whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. How are you, George? I'm great. Fantastic. I'm liking your beard. It's getting bigger, bushier. Thanks. Nicer. Yeah, thank you. I need to trim it soon, but um, here it is. Great. Yep. Rock it. I'm rocking it. Um, so, as I said up top, we're going to do... Um, I was so intent on disrupting you that I didn't even properly introduce <laughs> <laughs> we are going to be talking about our favourite villains that have uh, shook us throughout the years. Our favourites. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, good. For... it's very difficult not going, we were discussing before starting, not going with the obvious good movie villain. But I think if yeah. you're a good movie villain, you'll always be a good movie villain. Yeah, I've gone a bit more iconic than I usually go with my list. Um predominantly recognisable names from films that people will, will definitely have heard of. So mm. it's hard not to. It's hard to, like, those iconic performances of villains are um, tough to put aside, if you see what I mean. You definitely. kind of have to accept that they're incredible. Yeah. So there we go. That That's just how it is. Um, but before we Absolutely. get into our lists, we're going to have to do our culture catch-up. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to, and probably some other stuff. You're going to start this week, so tell me all about your week or so in culture. Okay, so this week I'm going to start with TV. RuPaul's Drag Race has uh, started again, which is very, very exciting. Um, but this time, there in contemporary, there is RuPaul's Drag Race USA and mm -hmm. RuPaul's Drag Race UK. So 
so it's just episode after episode after episode. It's amazing. Um, like always, uh, it's so. What is RuPaul judging it in America and then hopping on a plane and judging it in the UK and then what? What? What's going on? I, well, so um, the, <laughs> well, I think they recorded RuPaul's Drag Race UK a while ago, uh, maybe during uh. the summer when the the pandemic wasn't as bad as it is now. Right. Okay. A little bit before because they all seem to be close and there's no, you know, now in television, there's um, there are all these um, measures to keep everybody safe. So you have yeah, screens, yeah. distancing. So in RuPaul's Drag Race US, uh, there's all of that. And mm. um, so the judges have panels uh, beside them when they judge and they have distancing. But in the UK, they don't. So I think maybe that was recorded before. Yeah, but it's really, really good, uh, as always, uh, very exciting. Um, there is also, there's always the tea and all drama, but I, like I said, uh, they are kind of concentrating more on um, of making it about being together and being a force and uh, rather than people hating each other, because that's what made television. It was more like um, how people can unite. And mm. this year in RuPaul's Drag Race um, US, uh, there is a transgender female to male um, participant. So uh -huh. um, he uses pronouns he uh, when he's not in drag and she when uh, she's in drag. Uh, yeah. So it's pretty cool, actually, because it, it kind of opens the doors to like everybody like anybody can do drag and it's pretty cool and that um, is cool because hasn't rupaul been criticized in the past for comments on transgender absolutely in, but in i think they've been taken out of context and i think a lot of times now things are taken out of context because they were saying he was saying that you well the media was saying that he said that you couldn't be a transgender drag person I don't know what um, what he said about the transgender community, but I don't think he's against it. So because he's always had contestants, and you know, it's it's <laughs> drag is all about you know being different and being being creative. So it doesn't matter what gender you are. So and the good thing about uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK is there two gender non-binary uh humans uh which is really good because they were talking about it and i think you know the more you open uh the more you are open to these things the more people start accepting and they can understand what is non-binary what is transgender what is this what is that and that's quite nice i think these programs mm. open to because i didn't you know i'm i'm always learning and i like to know things because you know there's so there's so much to learn about people because we're so different and uh pretty cool good yes so please watch rupaul's drag race usa and uk they're fun good entertainment for an hour or so uh and then another tv kind of thing i got on the bandwagon like you like you asked me to and i watched the wonder vision oh all baby. of the episodes and i just just half an hour ago i finished the last one and wow that's a very exciting show isn't it it's pretty good, right? Like, it's amazing how the first episode, you're not really sure where it's going to go. It's like, what? Then the more that 
you you watch the episodes, the more you start going, okay, I think I think maybe, and then it's just like little bits, and then ah, oh, the last episode blew my mind. It's and episode so four as well, right? Because the last yeah. episode that you're referring to is episode five. Yeah. So yeah. episode oh episode four was it's so crazy. good. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, yeah. and you go, oh no, what, what is this? Is it because you don't think it's gonna be totally interlinked with? But I don't know why I didn't think that because it's the Marvel universe. Because it almost but tricks you by being it... so self-contained for those first three episodes, you almost forget that yeah. it's MCU. And episode four yeah. is so pulls MCU. in so much stuff. Yeah, but so then MCU. did you, so? Do you understand? Did you not understand? But are you aware of the implications of the end of episode five and what that might mean? In what sense? In the sense of so spoilers for ep- oh. up to episode five of One Division. If you're listening and you haven't caught up to that point yet, yeah, going to talk and about. Then we'll a let you know spoiler. when to go. <laughs> yeah, um, so skip ahead. Look in the show notes where to skip ahead to. Um, obviously, at the end of episode five, the doorbell rings and it is Piotr, Peter, Piotr. Uh, how do you pronounce it? Pietro. 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 Uh, Wanda's Wanda's brother. Yeah? Yeah. Quicksilver. Yeah. But not played by yeah. the actor who played him in not played by Evan yeah, Taylor a... Johnson. Who Aaron Taylor Johnson. Not played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who played him in I was Age a bit of confused Ultron. about that. I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah. Played by Evan Peters, who has played mm. Quicksilver before. Do you know where he's played Quicksilver before? No. In the Fox X-Men movies, he played Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Future Past. You know, the, the Hugh Jackman, like those X-Men movies? Yeah. Okay. So, because yeah. obviously Disney him. now... Oh, yeah. No, he's in, well, he's in Days of Future Past. He's in like some of the more recent ones that aren't very good, but he's pretty good. There's a brilliant mm. scene in Days of Future Past where he runs around this room in slow motion. Anyway, so they've brought in Quicksilver, but played by Evan Peters from... Mm. Uh, from Days of Future Past, which is now mm. obviously owned by Disney. So they're sort mm. of starting to open the door to maybe the idea that some of the actors and characters from those Fox movies can start turning up in the MCU as well. Mm. Which is... Because obviously, canonically in the comics, uh, Wanda's dad is Magneto. Okay, yeah. And now, you know, it probably won't happen, but it wouldn't... Now they've made it so that, theoretically, Ian McKellen could turn up by the end of this series as Magneto. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, it's crazy. And so, like, the next Doctor I Strange... I didn't think about that. I was just yeah. so... <laughs> I was just thinking about all the things that... Wow, that's pretty cool. So the next the next Doctor Strange movie is called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and Wanda's going to be mm. in that. So the big kind of rumour is that that's going to start looking at bringing together all the other Marvel live-action things under the MCU banner. And then the next Spider-Man 3 that's coming out is going to have Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield and like a load of people from those old Spider-Man movies in it. So it, this is like the first little hint that they're going to start getting really weird with the MCU. And I'm pretty excited about it. Like WandaVision is pretty weird. Like amazingly yeah. weird. What What mind thinks about that? And how like every little episode just adds a little bit more to understanding what's going on. Yeah, I feel and... like um, I was watching it thinking it was very like Twin Peaksy inspired because I think there's mm. definitely like a Twin Peaks lineage to it. And then my mm. brother messaged me and was like, "I think the people that made One Division, and I don't know if they if it if it was made 
long enough ago that this can't be true, but my brother said he felt felt like there's a lot of Watchmen influence in it, um, that TV show. Hmm, and I can kind of see that maybe. as well. Yeah, so, maybe. Yeah. Just in terms of having the courage to go really strange and, you know, have the faith in your audience so that, that they'll follow along until it makes sense kind of thing. Yeah, and Elizabeth Olsen is such an amazing actress. Yes, yeah, she's like, always been one of the best actors in the MCU. It's good that they're giving her the chance to branch out. Like she's she's she changes accent, she changes point. Like it's just like because she has to because the the series goes throughout. It's like a TV series throughout the years, and I was just just I was in awe of her. She's so good. Like, yeah, the, amazing. The scene in the latest episode where it reveals that she actually does know what's going on because she walks outside of the hex as they start calling it with that drone. And she's in yeah. her kind of MCU I, costume. I had assumed assume that she'd known for a while, like before, a few episodes before. Well, there's the bit where she gets rid of, where she talks about her brother and she flings Monica, is it Monica oh, Rambo yeah. out of the hex and stuff. But it's yeah. the first, but like her walking out of the hex is like a real big, like. Yeah, yeah. But every time she like, says no, like no, like that every time there's like, oh, she knows something, there's something going on here. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's, it's a, but like the true extent mm. of what how much she knows seems to become clear in that moment. It's just so cool. She's in her she's in her MCU costume. And the bit where she makes the men all point their guns at the guy in charge oh, so is good. a couple of people have pointed out is really reminiscent of Magneto doing a similar thing in like quite a few yeah. of the X Men movies. Oh, so yeah. again, like Strong Magneto vibes coming in. Oh, it's, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm so excited so about good. WandaVision. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad because I, I just like oh, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for more. But I, oh, it's so good. It's so so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, yeah. And so that's my TV kind of like my. Um, it's not really TV. What would you call it now? Because you, you don't watch these things on TV anymore. It's just on streaming services. Yeah, my... I know. I feel like pe- people TV, still call it, it TV, but yeah, it's it's yeah. sort of all blended together now. Because it's got yeah. like, One Division's got the budget and the look of a film, really. <sighs> but but it, then it's structured I, what, like a TV show. It's crazy. Ah, uh, but I just the, the, every episode gets longer and longer, and like <laughs> it was very sh- the first episode was twenty minutes, and then it gets longer and longer, and then the last one because the the more it gets into the Marvel universe, the longer it gets, and the more like cinematic it gets. It's just so mm. good. Yeah, yeah. The um, final episode might just be a full-on movie. You, you, we, you, who knows where it's going to go? Oh, we don't know. And that's the yeah. thing. They're like off the chain. Like they do whatever. They're doing whatever they want. They're so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What do you, oh, before we move on, what do you think of them bringing back the FBI agent from uh, Ant Man, played by Randall Park? Cool. I like him. I He's like pretty him. funny, right? And Kat yeah, Dennings, yeah. I can't remember her character's name, but Kat Dennings from the Thor movies comes back yeah. as the uh, astrophysicist. Yeah, yeah, I cool, like I like cool that cool duo. Things. They work really well together because they're pretty they like do. quirky and funny, and um, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's cool. Yeah, it adds, it adds, it adds. You know the fun that uh, Marvel has. You know they're fun. They're fun characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. agreed. Um, cool. Okay, so. Uh, that's it for TV. Uh, I went back memory lane and I watched Hot Fuzz. Oh, that's why when we were texting before, it was like yarp narp. All right, yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot how how good it is. It's a really good film. Uh, it is um, a brilliant film. So, 
Uh, it's a 2007 film directed by Edgar Wright and written also by Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg. And it has uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost and Martin Freeman, etc., etc. in their cast. If somebody, everybody's watched Hot Fuzz, but if somebody of our, one of any of our listeners haven't watched it, uh, it's about this uh, policeman that is too good and <laughs> policeman in London and he's uh, too good so he gets transferred to the countryside um, as a sergeant. Well, he, he doesn't get, he gets promoted and then transferred to the countryside as a mm. sergeant because he's uh, he's too good in London and he's showing everybody up. Yeah. And um, he You're moves to this... <laughs> he moves to this village in called Sanford, and uh, he's paired up with um, Nick, Nick Frost's character, which I think is called Danny. Yeah. Danny Butterman. Yes. And <laughs> yeah, Danny Butterman. <laughs> and everything seems like normal, but then a uh, killing spree starts, and uh, it just becomes weirder and weirder. And uh, yeah, I love that film. I forgot how gory it was. I don't know why. I forgot that it's pretty gory. And I just loved how they just could do anything. They just went. They just went really rogue, didn't they? They did pretty much whatever they wanted to do with yep. kind of um, uh, Point Break references and uh, bad boys, bad boys or bad, but yeah, bad boys. I, I just it's so funny. And I didn't realise that Adam Buxton is in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He plays the reporter, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, I I didn't know Adam Buxton looked like that without a beard. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I only know Adam Buxton from his podcast. I know you know him from other things. But yeah. I only listen to his podcast. I think through you. Is it possible? Uh, probably. Yeah. And so I I didn't realize that he he wasn't, and also because in one of the episodes I've listened recently, he was talking about he was at Simon Pegg's um, birthday party. I was like, well, how does he know Simon Pegg? And then I watch Hot Fuzz. Like that's how I know Simon Pegg. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think he's yeah. known him for longer than that, but yeah. Okay, but yeah, I didn't realize they knew each other. But yeah, it's a really cool film, uh, and I because he's actually I, in he's in Shaun of the Dead as well. I think is he. But like it's, I think he plays a zombie. I know Joe definitely plays a zombie in Shaun of the Dead. I think they both do. Okay. Um, but yeah, they know. I think they. I think they knew Edgar Wright. Anyway, sorry, this isn't important. But yeah. No, no, <laughs> but it's fine. Well. It's fine. It's just. I. I just. I don't know. I guess. I guess that's part of their British culture that I didn't really have because I didn't really know who Adam Buxton was because I didn't wasn't raised in England. I mean, you'd have to be raised in England and also be a weird obsessive about British comedy to know these things. So. You're okay, not, yeah, which you are. It's not so. necessarily common knowledge. Okay, okay. <laughs> but if you've but watched yeah, if you've a... watched all of the special features on the Shaun of the Dead DVD, you'll uh, you'll know that Adam Buxton or Joe Cornish or both of them were in it. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. I love them too. Those two together. I think. They're yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. They're great. Like I think my favorite Adam Buxton episodes are the Christmas specials when you know him and Joe just go just rogue. <laughs> and funny I don't know they're just hilarious yeah, uh, yeah good are. film uh, really good to watch it again and then I watched a French film called I'm not sure I think it's called The Intouchables 
Oh, is this the, the then, man, the, the paraplegic man? Yeah. But I, I don't know. On IMDb it says untouchable. On the thing it says the untouchables. But I think it must be untouchable. Maybe the untouchable. I don't know. Uh, one of the two. <laughs> and uh, it's a 2011 film uh, about uh, starring two like, people that I don't know. Francois Clouzet. Uh, the main character who is a paraplegic and Omar mm. Sai who uh, plays um, his carer. Omar Sai, actually, he's um, in a Netflix... Um, See the Lupin guy? Yeah, in the Lupin. Uh, yes. Interesting. I really want to watch it. Apparently, it's really, really good. Yeah. Francois Cousette um, is also in one of my favourite thrillers of all time. So is two... he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A film called um, Tell No One. Incredible movie. Oh. I found him really good in this film. I think he's a really good actor. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to watch more French films now. I don't know. I'm getting into them. Uh, nice. But yeah, it's about uh, Philippe, who's a quadriplegic millionaire. Um, and he it starts with him interviewing candidates to look after him. And uh, he decides to hire the most unlikely of candidates that was only there to get a signature for his uh, job seekers allowance, I think. Um, I think that's what I think that's the, what it is. The French equivalent um, to that, yeah. Yeah, the French equivalent of job seekers. Seekers. Uh, yeah, and so it's uh the story of how um yeah so it it's them uh him helping uh so uh Driss the carer helping uh Philippe um having like a better and fun life. Uh, they start smoking weed together and going out and uh, Philippe helping Driss uh, kind of maybe become more responsible because maybe he never had the opportunity of being responsible. Mm. Um, or yeah, never because yeah. Uh, but uh, I thought it was really, really good. Um, it uh, It's strange because I thought that maybe the this this the, the people that made this film uh watched me before you do you know that film me before you is no i don't know is <laughs> no i don't uh it's a film with emilia clark sam claflin and Jan janet mcteer and it's a film about pretty much the same but it was made six years after the untouchables and it's just this girl uh, and it's really, really popular, me before you. And it's this girl that is an unlikely candidate that becomes the carer for this millionaire who's had an accident and has become a quadriplegic. And mm. they fall in love. So that's the only difference between the two movies. Weird. Um, yeah, yeah. So, but I don't think it's a remake. I think it's just a. Well, there is, there is, an, there is, there is an actual official American remake of The Untouchables. Oh, yeah. Is it's there? got Brian Cranston from wow. Breaking Bad, and okay. uh, Kevin Hart plays the carer. When was it made? Uh, I don't actually remember when it was made, and I don't remember what it was called. I, I think in the UK it's like an Amazon film. Okay. Uh, it is meant to be pretty rubbish, but I think that's partly <laughs> because people were just a bit like, well, it's not as good as the French one, so why would you bother watching it kind of thing. Yeah, the French one is very, very good. Yeah. Me before you, I thought it was good before I watched this one and then I realised that it was pretty much the same story and I was a bit disappointed Bizarre. by that. I... But... The Upside. Yeah. The the remake is called The Upside. So when did Me Before You come out? 
Maybe for you came out in 2016, I think. Uh, that's bizarre. Yeah, 2016. And Untouchables, or The Untouchables, The Untouchables, as came out in 2011. And The so... Upside came out in 2017. Okay, so it's all films that are basically the same. Bizarre. <laughs> But The Untouchables is funny, it's heartwarming, it's uh, really good. Really, really good. And sad. There's some really sad moments where you go, oh. But good. Very fun film to watch. Definitely a recommendation. Cool. That's it. That's that my culture catch up for the week. Cool. Thank you for very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> you may vacate the stand. Okay, I'm just going to relax now and it's your turn. Thanks. What have you been watching, Sar? I've watched a few movies. Um, The first one I'm going to talk about is I want to send you... Can I send you a YouTube video to watch and then we can talk about the film? Of course. How can that work? I'm going to send you a link. It's only three minutes long. You should have it. Yes. Are you watching it? Is that... Is that Justin Timberlake? Yes, please. (laughs) You'll wonder what's going on for a minute and then it'll become about a minute and ten seconds in. You'll see why I want you to watch it. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> why? Why? What's happening? <laughs> why? He just puts a needle in his neck. Uh. Oh. Even his... Oh. Oh. He's got a gun. And now he's... You can... You can... Can you hear it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, good. And now his face is puffing up. Okay, one minute and ten minutes, seconds. I got so, but I'm not a soldier. I got so, but oh, I like this song. Who is it? It's the Killers. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh God, I don't like this song. <laughs> so he's tripping. There's a lot of women dancing with their legs. It's a pretty, pretty boring trip, though. If that's what that drug does, you know, I'll drink a couple of beers. <laughs> is it a trip? I don't know if it's a trip. Oh. I don't know what's going oh. on. Well, I assume it's a trip, you know, he's just taking a drug, he he fell on the floor, and now he's sad. Okay, so that was very uneventful. Why did I have to watch that? I just wanted you to see it. Uh, what's your perspective on what, what did you just see? Just describe it for the audience. Okay, so I've just seen uh, uh, Justin Timberlake with prosthetic scars on his face, saying something to this dude, and then... Uh, injecting some substance in his neck, then falling to the ground, and I guess tripping, having a little trip uh, where he has lots of... And listening, well, the the killer songs comes up, which is a weird trip song. Um, And then these ladies dancing around him, and then him being very happy drinking a beer, and then him not being happy anymore, and that's the end of the clip. Yes. That's... <laughs> that is a clip from a film called Southland Tales. Okay. It's a movie made by Richard Kelly, who wrote and directed in the early 2000s Donnie Darko. Ah, that's a good film. It is a good film. This was his follow up movie, and I loved Donnie Darko when it came out, and I was so mm. incredibly excited to see this film. Uh, and then when it came out, it famously premiered at the Cannes Film Festival to just about the worst reaction any film has ever received. 
Uh, they then completely re-edited it and released it a year later, and people said, "No, it's worse now. You've made it worse than it was, and that it was bad before." So I never, I never bothered to watch it until uh, recently. Arrow Video put out a Blu-ray of it uh, that includes the Cannes Festival cut of it and stuff like that. And uh, they normally put out mm. stuff that's worth paying attention to. So I picked that up and was like, "I'll finally check out Southland Tales and see what it's about." <laughs> All right, Southland Tales is the story of the near future Los Angeles after a nuclear bomb. It opens with a nuclear bomb going off in Texas and then tries to explain how that's changed the world in some bizarre way. Dwayne Johnson, okay. known as The the Rock, <laughs> plays a actor. Even in the film? Yeah. No, in the film, his name <laughs> is Boxer Santaros. He's, an, he's a Hollywood actor. Like, the, his character is a Hollywood actor who has amnesia and is spending some time with Sarah Michelle Gellar playing a porn star called Krista Now. And together they've written a film script that predicts the end of the world and they think it's genuinely predicting the end of the world. Additionally, Sean William Scott, who you might know as Stifler from the American Pie films, plays... A policeman and also his twin. And there's a plot to for Sean William Scott's twin kidnaps his him, his brother and dresses up as the policeman. So the one who's not a policeman impersonates the police officer, takes mm. the rock on a drive on like a drive around the neighborhood, because the rock wants to practice or research what it's like to be a policeman for a role. And then they're gonna they're going to do a racially motivated shooting that the rock will film. And I've confused myself. I can't remember why any of that. What well, <laughs> I've lost. The movie also contains uh, John Lovitz from the Saturday Night Live. Uh, Kevin Smith is in there. Okay. Amy Pohl is in there. It's. Oh, wow. It's. They've got everybody. Uh, it, yeah, they really do have everybody. There's this, there's a one second shot of hostile filmmaker Eli Roth being murdered on a toilet for no reason. I mean, it, it, like literally, and I'm not going to talk about it. But I watched Hostel and Hostel Two as well in the past week. Um, but there's no point going over those. Uh, no, it's one of the strangest things I've ever seen. It 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 ends with, and that scene I made you watch of uh, oh, and Justin Timberlake is in there as well. And throughout the entire yeah, rest well, of the yeah. movie, he's he's sat in like a sniper's nest on the end of a pier, guarding a guarding a a, a new energy source in the ocean, I think. But then there's this one scene where he's not on this sniper's nest. He's in a shop and he does karaoke to the killers while women dance around him. And maybe it's a trip, but I think that was a trip. But you need to watch the movie, Alex, because like genuinely, I had no concept that that would have been a trip because it's no more or less bizarre than anything else that's happening on screen throughout the entire rest of the film. Wow! So watched in isolation, you saw it as a trip. I was just like, this is just one more thing that's occurring that that I don't understand <laughs> that I, I'm failing to understand. Um, there's a scene near the end of the movie Sorry. where The Rock is yeah. in a in a sort of futuristic blimp and he says the line, because he's talking, I can't remember why, I can't remember why he says this line, there's no real good context for it, because he says, I'm a pimp 
and pimps don't commit suicide. He's not a, he's never, no one's accused him of being a pimp. No, he doesn't, you know, he says, I'm a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. He's not a pimp, he's an actor. And he's, nobody's suggesting that he would, it doesn't make, it's so, and then Sean William Scott's character says the same line for no reason, as if it's something that people say. And then Sean William Scott touches his, shakes hand with his, twin who might just be a future version of himself and when they shake hands it causes the ambulance they're in to levitate so that a man stood on top of it can fire a rocket launcher at a blimp that is and i have you understand that as well as i do having not even seen the film it makes as much sense to you as it did to me it's one of the weirdest things i've ever seen in my life i wouldn't strongly recommend it to anybody but I, I wanted he to said talk I should, about it. I should watch it. It's just bizarre because he, because Donnie Darko is Donnie Darko is a. It's not even a five star film. It's a masterpiece of a film. Like it is, yeah, it is. it's like a perfect film. And mm. Southland Tales isn't even competently edited. Like it's, it's just, <laughs> it's so insane. It doesn't make sense that the same person could produce both films. It's very. It's just, it's just bonkers. Mm. Anyway, after Southland Tales, I watched. Um, because I've been wanting to get into, like, in terms of directors, like, iconic directors, like, directors so iconic they could have a Funko Pop made of them, like mm-hmm. Hitchcock, Spielberg, you know that Scorsese. The yeah. one that's a big yeah. blind spot for me, because I'd only seen, like, one of his movies, is Spike Lee, mm. um, who does have his own Funko Pop. And mm. um, so I've seen, I saw a few years ago Inside Man, and didn't remember it at all. And then recently I watched Black Klansman, mm. which we talked about before. And I was like, I want to kind of yeah. get more into some Spike Lee movies and sort of see what, you know, what's so special about him. So I watched his kind of the film of his that's considered his sort of masterpiece, Do the Right Thing. Ah, yeah. Uh, which is from yeah. 1989. Mm. Uh, the first thing I learned that I didn't know about Spike Lee is that he's also an actor. He stars in this film. Mm, it it yeah. turns out he starred in like that. 10 of his films, which I had no idea. Mm. It's crazy. He's he's actually pretty good in it as well. It's set in um, a neighbourhood in, I think, Brooklyn in New York. Uh, and it's set over the course of like one day and it's extre- it's an extremely hot day. And it's all about sort of um, culture clashes and race relations in this in this block of, uh, of Brooklyn in New York uh, as the heat goes mm. up. It stars Spike Lee as... Um, Mookie is he called? What's his name in it? It stars Spike Lee as Mookie, uh, Danny Aiello, mm. who plays the brother in Moonstruck. Yeah, he plays uh, Sal, the owner of a pizzeria. John Turturro from The Big Lebowski plays one of his one of his mm-hmm. sons. Um, it's also got uh, Ossie Davis plays a character called the Mayor. Uh, Bill mm. Nunn. Plays Radio Raheem, which is an amazing performance. Mm. It's got loads of... Um, Martin Lawrence is in it for like a, a, a few scenes. Also in it is... Um, what's his name? Uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who plays Gus in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Ah, okay. He's in it. He has a big role in oh. it as like... Because um, nowadays he's known for playing quite reserved, cool, laid-back villainous types. Um, hmm. Like Gus in Breaking Bad and and Beckel Saul and also uh, Moff, what's his name Moff uh, hmm. Gideon in uh, The Mandalorian. Hmm. Uh, in Do the Right Thing, he is completely kind of manic. Like it's a totally different type of role than I've ever seen him in before. So it's that's really interesting to see him in that. Um, and yeah, as the day progresses, sort of different um, 
there's different personality clashes and different events happen and a lot of it feels like kind of just a series of little set pieces if you see what i mean um mm. but there's this running theme all the way through it of sort of um you know racism sal and his sons are italian americans who own this pizzeria that all the people in the neighborhood eat in and Giancarlo Esposito's character points out that there's no black people on the wall it's all Italian Americans and Sal's like well mm. you buy your own place and you can put you know they say brothers and stuff that you can put your brothers and stuff on the wall um and Giancarlo Esposito is like well no Italian Americans eating here all your money comes from us uh, black people why don't you put you know some black people up on the wall and that kind of that mm. argument kind of builds and builds throughout the day. And, and the great thing about the movie is it starts, it's very funny all the way through and very humorous, but mm. it does build to a kind of a really quite violent and upsetting conclusion to sort of the arguments of the day. Mm. And um, okay, it's very, I mean, it's great. Like things, things happen at the end of this movie that are still happening in 2020 and 2021 in America and the problems that the movie yeah. highlights haven't been solved, haven't even been close to being solved um, in the years since. Yeah. And it's quite, even though it's made in 1989, it feels extremely contemporary as a result. Um, oh, Rosie Perez is in mm. it as well, I should mention. She's really good in it as a teen. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it is a masterpiece. I'm glad I watched it and I would recommend it. If, if anyone hasn't seen Do the Right Thing, um, check mm. it out, give it a go. It is... Uh, it is it is fantastic. Very good movie. Next up. Mm. Oh, and then I followed that up by watching Inside Man, which having watched Do the Right Thing, I could notice more as a Spike Lee film or a Spike Lee joint, as his uh, credits always say, than because it almost people always describe Inside Man as like a real non Spike Lee Spike Lee movie, but I th- I feel like okay. watching mm. it Look and looking for it, you can kind of tell Spike Lee's done it. There's a great bit where Denzel Washington gets really angry and runs across to a to a doorway, and uh, he does it as if he's floating, like Dracula in a Dracula movie. And uh, it's just a mm. kind of a touch that another director wouldn't necessarily do. So yeah, that was good. <laughs> mm. Then I watched um, a David Lynch movie, one of the few David Lynch movies I've not seen, <laughs> called Inland Empire. Okay. Uh, which is uh, stars Laura Dern and David Lynch very famously. This was the last theatrical movie he made, actually, um, in like 2000 and... When did he make Inland Empire? 2011, something like that, or earlier? Maybe 2008. Mm. Um, he very famously tried to campaign for Laura Dern to be nominated to win an Oscar for this film by sitting in a chair mm. on the corner of a street in Los Angeles with a live cow next to him and a big sign with Laura Dern's face on it. And, uh, okay. yeah, I don't know. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's such a David Lynch, like, oh, well, I don't know. Something is going on. Yeah. He said, I think he said he didn't have the money or, like, he didn't have... Because he kind of self-financed it. He didn't have the money to um, do it himself. So he didn't have the money to do a yeah. full Oscar campaign, so instead he he did this. And it became a very famous thing. It didn't get Laura Dern an Oscar, but um, it became okay. like an iconic thing that David Lynch did, at least. Uh, he, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a movie. Uh, Laura Dern plays an actress who gets a role in a film and people are worried because the leading man in the movie is known as being a womanizer, and people think that maybe she's going to cheat on her husband with him. And that kind of happens for about an hour, and then Laura Dern 
wanders into this darkness at the back of the stage that they're kind of practicing this film in. And then for the next two hours, nothing that makes sense occurs. It is the most David Lynch, David Lynch film I've ever seen. It is three hours long and two of those hours are unhinged madness with Laura, with the camera just always like inches away from Laura Dern's confused face. It, it was, I really liked it, but it's... <laughs> of course you liked it because you like weird stuff like But that. it was... It's like, is it weird? Can I spend two hours not knowing exactly what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, it's the weird. And Terry Crews is in it. There's a point, like I was watching my housemates. Like, is that Terry Crews? What? And then he, yeah. Terry Crews? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Like, the Terry yeah, Crews. Yeah, the Terry Crews is in this is in Inland Empire, playing like a homeless person who has like two lines. It's very strange. Okay. Uh it it's pretty weird. Um yeah. Then I watched, let's see, Baskin, pretty good movie. Uh it's on Amazon Prime for anyone in the UK if you like kind of uh that's a Turkish movie about a group of policemen that turn up to this warehouse and uh find like a gateway to hell and get all attacked. Pretty good. Um then I watched Orphan which is on Netflix, not too much to talk about with Orphan. It's a silly film about a couple who um, <laughs> adopt an orphan, basically, and things go wrong. Then... Well, <laughs> with the title, like, Orphan, yeah. things definitely go Yeah, wrong. definitely. Then I watched... This is this is one I really want to be a big recommendation on. I watched the Alice Lowe movie. Uh, she wrote, directed, and starred in it. Prevenge. Uh, okay. Alice Lowe is a British actress. She was in Garth Marenghi's Dark Place back in the day. She more recently starred in Ben, we- ben Wheatley's Sightseers, which is another fantastic film. Um, this movie, she made it when she was eight months pregnant. Okay. And uh, she plays a pregnant woman who, you know, she didn't require any kind of prosthetics for. Who uh, <laughs> is uh, The movie opens with her going into a pet shop and then, like an exotic pet shop, and then murdering the owner quite brutally, and then the movie is her hearing the voice of her unborn baby in her head telling her to kill people and her going around these various different people and murdering them, uh, all while incredibly heavily pregnant. And then as the film progresses, you start to work out and realise what links all these victims together and why she wants to murder them. And it's amazing. It's it, it starts off feeling like these unconnected little murder set pieces and ends up as this incredibly powerful like drama of a woman struggling with grief and loss and how to move on with her life. And it's it's an, it's in it's a it's 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 a per, it's a masterpiece. It's it's such a good film. She wrote it in like three days or something and then it was filmed in like a a week because she was really heavily pregnant and they kind of needed so like they she it was made and it was for such a and it had a really low budget it's amazing what they pulled off and i I mentioned this a few uh, with a few different movies i like it has an incredible final shot that really stuck with me so yeah prevenge huge recommendation i really liked it Uh, then i watched the human centipede <laughs> Why? Have you ever uh, watched it before? No, I've never seen it. I wanted to see what it was like. Oh wow! Do you like, know what I've, the... I've, I've, well, I know what it is, but I I never watched it. Like the Human Centipede is a movie about a, a German mad scientist who kidnaps three people and um, creates a um, stitches oh. them together. Oh. 
with the... Don't talk uh, about it. People know what the human centipede is. Stitches the mouth to no. the... <laughs> so that they have I one know. digestive system. Oh, I want to be sick. Um, the human centipede is not as... It, it's pretty tame. I was pretty bored through for, for most of the okay. film. And even when the titular just, human centipede is unveiled, it's pretty, like... It's just three actors on all fours that, that are, like, positioned near it. I don't know. I like. I felt like it was a bit a kind second. of tame. I think because you watch so much stuff that is about gory things, I just hey. the thought of it, it makes me want to vomit. Hey, I'm getting so, there. Don't you worry. Oh, God. Because, like, you watch <laughs> things like The Hostel and, and I I can't even fathom watching those things because I just, I don't know. Yeah, but Hostel Part Two real. flips it round so that the um, uh, Fl- Hostel Part Two is a, is a cool movie, but I won't get into it right now. Um, okay. Anyway, yeah, so, so wasn't watched... that great? Wasn't no, that great? I was a bit like I was expecting it to be like really grim and gross, and and it, it really just and it looks like it was all filmed on a porn set. Like it, this guy's house is just like bare white walls. <laughs> it's bizarre. Um, so then I watched The Human Centipede Two. No, <laughs> why? Um, because I was like, that was a bit, uh, but Human Centipede 2, uh, famously, uh, banned by the BBFC in the UK, uh, on release. They had to cut about two minutes out of the movie for them to give it a rating. The movie is in black and white because it's too gory in colour. No. Uh, yeah. The Human Centipede 2 is the movie that I wanted, I thought I was getting when I watched the Human Centipede 1. The Human Centipede oh. 2 is about a car park attendant in London who, it gets all meta because he's obsessed with the film The Human Centipede, Alex. Do you get it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Ooh, pretty... Ooh, that's yeah. clever. Um, but <laughs> he's not a mad scientist or a surgeon like the guy in the first film, but he okay. decides he wants to make a human centipede, and um, it's kind of the same thing, but he decides he wants to make one with 12 people instead of three people. and uh, he. <laughs> that's greedy. That's really greedy. <laughs> And uh, he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any surgical skill, so uh, his attempts to do it are less uh, messier. Should we let's say messier? Let's say messier. And uh, I won't go into any more detail because really, it is it is horrible. Like it's it's horrible. It's really horrible. Um, but it gro- it it made me f- it it grossed me out in the way that I thought the first one would. So I. I got what I wanted, I guess. I don't know. No, I didn't. What? What, what did you want? Did you want? I don't know what I out? wanted. No, I guess why, I. Why? Why? But so, what is it? The same people that did it. It's the, the same. People? No, no, same director. I, apparently, he was like because apparently a lot of horror fans were like, "Oh, the like, Human Centipede wasn't as gross as we thought it would be." So then he was like, "Right, <laughs> I'll make a gross movie for you." <laughs> but um, so what? What two minutes did it cut out? What happens in those two minutes? Um, Do I want to know? No. I mean, I, it, it 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 involves barbed wire. We'll leave it there. Ah! See, I can't watch this. My 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 imagination just goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I you probably haven't even anyway. I haven't seen it. I watched <laughs> I watched the version that's cut, so I haven't seen the the scene in question. Um, and I'm probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyway, you enjoy it? Did, you did enjoy I enjoy it? it? I don't know. It feels like <laughs> you can't say that, can you? You can't say, "Oh yeah, I enjoyed it." Was no, it? I didn't enjoy it. But like, if well, you look it up on Letterboxd, and it has loads of people saying this is the most disgusting, depraved movie ever. Blah blah blah. I hate it. It's immoral, etc. 
And I kind of, I don't know, it like the first movie feels really incompetently made almost. Mm. Apologies to the director. He's a bit of a mad guy. I hope he doesn't hear this. But <laughs> it, I, the first one didn't, I thought it was just boring and not that interesting. The second one, it is horrible and depraved. But also, some, maybe it's just something about it being blacker. It just feels grittier and more interesting. Like the main actor in it is gives a great performance he doesn't have like any lines he plays this strange bizarre bug-eyed little guy who just has a dream of a centipede uh, no it, i don't know if i <laughs> i don't i still don't know what i think about it <laughs> oh. i don't know it's just okay, anyway i'm gonna look at photo images of the human centipede too are you ah! <laughs> What does it even show you? My eyes. Look at my eyes. They're watering. I saw mouth. <laughs> I don't know what I see. Hurry on. Yeah, we'll do. <laughs> I can't believe. How long is that film? It's 90 minutes long. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Then. <sighs> Let's move on. I didn't really watch any TV other than WandaVision. Um, I played a lot of Hitman 3 over the past week or so. I got uh, seventh in the global leaderboards on one of the levels, which I was pretty happy with. Um, Dan, that's, yeah, that's that's impressive. I, I was pretty well excited done, about G. it. Thanks a lot, uh, Dan. How many people all, are playing? Ten. Sorry, out of how many? Out of like a hundred thousand, yeah, um, or something. A load of people. Successful Sorry. game. Uh, Dan from the video game episode has also been playing it. So me and him were like exchanging strategies for different levels back and forth and competing to see who could get at the same times. So it was a pretty exciting thing where on one of the levels I was looking at the global leaderboards and like you could see my username and Dan's username both in like the top 15 or so people in the world, which is cool. Amazing. That's what coronavirus does. You know, you have to stay home because, you know, you're isolating and uh, you you're, you become uh, global leaders in um, Hitman. In Hitman, exactly, yeah. So that game, that game is incredible. Like, mm. it's pro, it's better than Hitman Two, which is in my top five video games of all time. So I mean, I really have been enjoying myself with that recently. Uh, then um, I don't want us to run too long, but we do need to talk a bit about music. Uh, okay, Human, the Weezer album was released. Oh, I forgot to listen to it. Sorry. Yeah, Jean. it's all right. Um, it's been getting very, very good reviews. Um, some of the best reviews of their recent career have been coming in for OK Human. I listened to it. It is all piano-based, um, like 50s or 60s or 70s sort of. It's a very pet sounds, Beach Boys kind of-esque kind of sound. It took a while for me to get into it, but I, now I really, really love it. So I would recommend to everyone uh, give OK Human by Weezer a listen. Um, the only bad thing about it is it's just under half an hour long and the songs blend so well together that I keep putting it on and then doing some work and then I'll suddenly realise I'm singing along to the final song and I'm like, oh, it's over, it's finished. Because uh, yeah. it doesn't, um, not none of the songs stand out individually almost, if you see what I mean. It does run together as a whole piece almost, which is a really good thing, but also means that it kind of, um, I keep it keeps finishing before I realise it kind of thing. Then... Um, mm. So it's great. Listen to it. Then I want to talk about February 5th, 2021. It was last Friday. Two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. 
the most notable album release day of the year so far, and probably of all year, so many albums came out on Friday that I've been unable to keep up with them. But as a brief overview, a band called Black Country New Road released their debut mm-hmm. album uh, for the first time is the name of that. That is um, the enemy gave it five stars and called called it basically the future of music. And the independent gave it two out of five and said it sounds like a bunch of uh, people trying to sound like trying to sound like the fall. Um, okay. And the truth lies somewhere in the middle. It does sound a bit like they're obviously influenced by the fall, but it's also pretty great. The lyrics, mm. I can't decide if I think they're cringy or or cool. Like there's a there's a Phoebe Bridges reference in one of the songs. He quotes a lyric from Phoebe Bridges. There's a reference to Black Midi, another kind of recent band that I like. Um, there's okay. reference to Slint. Like it's full of pop culture references and full of references to other bands, and it can almost get a bit like. A bit mm. much at times, if you see what I mean. The music itself is very like post punk, jazz, post rock. It's like a whole mix of different things and ideas. It's a good album, though. I'd recommend people listen to it. Haley Williams, the front woman from Paramore, released a surprise album on Friday, a la Taylor Ooh. Swift, called Flowers for Vases. And again, I've listened to it like once. It's all acoustic. It seems really good. Mm. I'm going to go back to it, but it's great. John Carpenter, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while, you'll know that I adore John Carpenter. No interest in making movies anymore, but he loves making um, music still. Oh. So he does a, he does wow. an album series called Lost Themes, which mm. essentially just sound like theme tunes to movies he's never made. Um, he brought out Lost Themes Free on Friday, Alive After Death. It's just more atmospheric synth bangers from John Carpenter. Pretty great stuff. Most notable release probably would be the Foo Fighters new album came out on Friday, Medicine mm. at Midnight. Um, the most notable release due to their popularity, the least notable release um, when you consider the quality of the music in it. Uh, it's, <laughs> okay. I think I think at the end of the day, when all is said and done, it will probably be one of the least notable Foo Fighters albums. It's not a bad album because they are incapable of making bad music, but it's certainly not anything special from the Foo Fighters, mm. I think. I've listened to it a couple of times and like a handful, like the singles are okay, but overall, it's, I think it's the shortest album. It's like nine songs, 36 minutes long or something like that. And it just doesn't really stick with you, in my opinion. But um, yeah, it came out. A Canadian nice. band. Go on. Nice. Nice. Sorry, a Canadian band that I've never listened to before called The Weather Station released an album called Ignorance, which mm-hmm. is amazing, <laughs> really good. Yeah. Uh, Pitchfork, a website I love to hate, gave it 9 out of 10, so I decided <laughs> to give it a listen. It's really good. In general, with Pitchfork, it seemed, I, my vibe is like, if they give something a really good review, it's probably worth checking out. If they give something a bad review, it doesn't matter because they give, they gave all, they gave the new Weezer album like a 5 out of 10 or something stupid, idiots. Just... No, no, just awful stuff. Then finally, 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 a post-punk band called TV Priest released their debut album called Uppers, and it's pretty good, but also it's the most Idols-sounding thing. Like, it very much sounds like a band that are really heavily influenced by Idols specifically, which is fine, but um, it doesn't feel that new and fresh to me as a result but the songwriting is really good so um uppers mm. by tv priest if you like idols you'll, you'll probably enjoy that and um yeah that was a bit of a run through but that that was a crazy day for music all of that i've listened to like bits and pieces of all those albums and struggled to really have an opinion on any of them <laughs> well you know 
You, I feel like we've talked about it before. You need to listen to an album a few times to enjoy it. And sometimes... Yeah, yeah. Because I've just said that about TV Priest, and I reckon by the end of the year, it'll be like my number four album of the year or something. Like, okay. it's definitely a good album. Um, I just need to do more time. And that Weather Station album, uh, yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So, um, yeah, some stuff to check out there. Sit down at the back and be quiet and get out your book because it's time to discuss your homework now. We've got a top five of 90s bands. Oh, brilliant. Who from? Uh, uh, from Sam, who lives in Singapore. Incredible scenes. Incredible scenes all round. Uh, it seems uh, like she's got very similar tastes to my top five. So she, no particular order. She put uh, Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys, Eats 17, Five, and Oasis. Oh, Good choices. I yeah, swinging it round at the last that. second with Oasis. Yeah, <laughs> so, come on. I I didn't I didn't mention Five. I used to love Five. That was so cool. Did you? Everybody get up, singing one, two. No, okay. So we know that my music taste in the nineties was very um, simple. Well, I didn't have a music taste in the nineties, as we've discussed. So I think you're yeah. You're up, up above me there. No, that was a good... Yeah. So what was that? Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys, E17, Five and Oasis? Yeah, great, great memory. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, good good choices. Thank you. Homework time. So last week, uh, the uh, we uh, talked about top five 90s bands. We have very different bands. Um, I went a lot with bands that I listened to in the 90s and you went more for bands that were you liked from the 90s. Yeah, because if I'd done bands that I listened to in the 90s, it would have been that band that did... Um, uh, they had like plastic hair, the cartoons. Do you remember them? No. I rang the witch doctor. Da, 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 ah, bom, yeah, yeah, bom, yeah, 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 I do remember. Were they, I were... Okay. I think it was a cover. It's an older song, but they covered that. Basically, it would have been that five times. I think that was all I listened to. Oh, no, and Shampoo. Do you remember Shampoo? Yeah. I really liked yeah. that song. Uh-oh, we're in trouble. Someone's come along and they've burst our bubble. Uh-oh. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. They would have been, they would have been those. If So if, it'd be, if I'd done five artists that I actually listened to in the 90s, it would have been the cartoons and their Witch Doctor yeah. song. It would have been... It would have been Shampoo, who did "Uh Oh, I'm in Trouble," whatever that is. Maybe Billy Piper. It would have been. It would have been rubbish. So yeah. Billy Piper, come on, she was good. I liked Billy Piper. No, I love, I love Billy Piper. But again, like, what is that one song? It's not like a anyway. Yeah. Also, it's not a band. So. What's the um? Oh yeah, it's not a band, so it doesn't count. What was the song? Why do you even do those things? What What was it? What was it? What. <laughs> What was a Billy Piper's song? Why do you um always do that? What was it? <laughs> <laughs> because I want uh, because I want to. Because I want to. Because I want to. What were you saying before? Why do you always run around? Because I want to. Because I want to. <laughs> this is why I didn't yeah. do any that bands I listened yeah. to in the nineties. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. 
going back to homework. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I had to listen to a band called Tool, and the album you made me listen to was uh, is called In Anemia. Anemia. Yeah, anima, anima, anima. Anima. Yeah. Anima, 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 and I think that's their first album. It's not. No. Okay. I know awards nominations. Sorry, I'm in the wrong category. Their it first is album is album. um, oh, what's it called? Under Undertow. Okay. Yeah. I uh, yeah. I'm gonna say yes. So Tool is an American rock band from LA, uh, which was formed in 1990, and it's got people in it. I don't know. I think it, it changed people a few times. Has no, it? not particularly. No. Uh, uh, drummer Danny Carey, guitarist Adam Jones, and vocalist Maynard James Keenan. Mm-hmm. Yes. The bassist has changed. That's, that's what's changed. Um, so I listened to the album, and um, I, I probably would have liked, really liked them when I started getting into, like, kind of that kind of music like rock music um and uh i probably would have enjoyed listening to them uh, in the 2000s when you know I, I stopped listening to spice girls and i started listening to that um i think i i enjoyed listening to the album um yeah. i really i was really impressed with the drums <laughs> I don't yeah know why. that's I the really thing the, the yeah drums. the drumming is wild and i i enjoyed um i thought what would is difference between their song, their their music, and the way that the singer sings, which is uh, Maynard James Keenan, is it's um <clears throat> it's not as shouty as maybe other rock bands with a similar kind of music. Uh, and he's more, it's like the vocals accompany the music rather than the music accompanies the vocals. In some yeah, songs. as in the music is the most important part. Do you mean? Yeah, 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 and it's like it's got a really like not like you said he had a great voice and he has got a great voice, which is you know you, you can hear it, and um, I I think they're okay, but they're really really serious. Like it's a serious band, is a serious rock band. We do some serious rock music because I watched some lives as well. Yeah, and they've just felt like. Yeah, we're here to do our music and we're serious about it and this is what we do. And you know, kudos to them because it's a great they're great um musicians and uh, and he's a great singer. It's a weird thing that you point that out though because they 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 are like you're spot on about how serious they are, but they they're such a weird band because they they're also not at all like they early on their logo um for the band was like yeah, a spanner. It was a, a spanner in the shape of a penis. Yeah, 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 exactly, right? But then for years, like, they're, they're kind of the, the picture of them that was always used in, like, articles about them was this picture of them gathered around, like, a barbecue, and Maynard mm. James Keenan has got, like, water wings on, like, inflatable water wings. Like, mm. they, they'll be really weird in photo shoots, but then, and then even within their music, um, I can't remember which album it's on, but there's an album, there's a song on one of the albums where he's, like, yelling in German. Okay. Uh, and it sounds really sort of like almost like a fascist speech is being given, if you see what I mean. That's mm. kind of what your brain immediately associates the noise with because it's this kind of angry German shouting. But apparently, mm. like if you translate the lyrics, it's actually just screaming out the recipe for chocolate chip cookies. Oh. 
So like even within at times within their music, yeah. they can get a bit funny. They've got a song. I can't remember the, again. I can't remember the name of it. But there's a, there's a song all about um, how they were accused of selling out, mm. and uh, the lyrics are like this really quite funny, searing like um, attack on a fan who told them they'd sold out and be like, "If I'm the man, then you're the man." We're all the, like, I don't know. I, you, like you are right. They are very serious, but they're also. Mm. Not funny in the way that like Weezer are funny, like funny in kind of a way where it almost like have you seen Goodfellas? Yeah. You know that scene in Goodfellas where somebody laughs at Joe Pesci's joke and then Joe Pesci gets yeah. really angry and he's like, I'm a clown to you, I make me I make and then he, he kills yeah. the guy. Yeah. Tool feel like that. Tool are like, they will be mm. funny, but if you laugh at them that you're scared that they're gonna like get really annoyed at you for like yeah, that's the thing. Like, I watched a, vi- a live video because I thought maybe live they'll be better, but I don't think I would personally enjoy a concert. A tool concert because I would die probably, um. Anyway, <laughs> that, <laughs> like, why? why? People don't mosh at tool concerts. Well, they I don't. They seem to be really like in front because they can't see much at the back, can they? I don't know. They seemed like a big conglomeration of people. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I think you'd probably be. I don't know. Like I was right at the front of a tool concert and it was fairly chill. It was a fairly relaxed atmosphere. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, it's interesting. And like, there's there's a moment where they're in a song, which I can't... And the thing about the album is just it kind of blends together. There are some songs that stand out. Um, but um, there is a song where he they use a sample from Bill Hicks. I thought that was really good. Very yes. 90s. Um, Bill Hicks uh, is a famous uh, 90s comedian. Very funny, very real. Kind of like the classic comedians that were kind of down on themselves and quite depressed maybe that's what bill hicks was like yeah it was pretty it was pretty like dark and the clip of bill hicks on the comedian. album it's that where he's talking about how um all best music is made by people on drugs right yeah 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 so that's pretty cool i thought ah oh, because i haven't i haven't i don't know i used to love bill hicks and i haven't watched any of his stand-up well he's passed away now but um he had a couple of stand-up videos that i had and um i um yeah, and that was that was good because like oh Bill Hicks I forgot about him. Uh, but and then there's a there's a there's a song where this guy just swears in Italian, and uh, it says that you're like uh yeah, and it's just like why 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 is this happening? But it was it was good because I could understand everything. So I was like ah oh, okay interesting. Uh, but yeah, I didn't I didn't mind them. I think I was I would have been more into them if I at that age of my life and probably if i got into them then i probably would be into them now yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh yeah i like them I, I i thought the drama was amazing like i was blown away by that but um yeah they're yeah. good it's interesting good. you make that point as well about the because the, 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 on their newest album after like a 13 year break they came back with a new album called fear and oculum like uh 2019 um which has yeah <sighs> I can't remember how many songs are on it, but it's it's only about six actual songs, but each one is like mm. 10 minutes long. And mm. ma- the majority of it is like almost instrumental. Like Maynard James Keenan is still there and singing, but the focus is really on the music. So as they've aged and gone through their career, more and more they're mm. focused in on the music. So you picked up on that in their second album, but um, mm. it's something that, yeah, they have they've played on and the drumming on that newest album uh there's a drum solo track called chocolate chip mm. trip which is um yeah rowan probably likes it a lot i imagine so that's tool <laughs> yeah that's tool that's tool baby <laughs> um so yeah. okay so on to me i had to listen to the group uh tlc hi hi which stands for 
uh, tender loving care. Yeah. No, it doesn't. It's I think it's the the not initials of the the group. Yeah, is it not too? Yeah, it's not. It's like well, sometimes it does, but not in this case. Yeah, but that's why they've that's why they've done TLC and not LCT or CTL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because yeah. because the the original lineup was Tion, T. Boz Watkins, Lisa Left Eye yeah. Lopez, and Crystal yeah. Jones, TLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Whoops. were a hip hop R and B pop group, mm-hmm. uh, girl group in the nineties. Although they're still going today, right? They put I didn't realize they put out a new album just a couple of years ago. Yeah. with just the mm-hmm. two yeah. the the two that are left in the band, T Boz and Chili, yeah. who is mm-hmm. new, replaced Crystal Jones. Okay, cool. Yeah, quite quite, but um, quite early on it was Chip. Quite Chili's early the, on, yeah yeah, 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 much much earlier on. Um, so really, it's T Boz, Chili, and Left Eye. They're the main. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or T Boz, Left Eye, and Chili to do it in the right order. <laughs> yes, George. Why aren't they called TC now? What? Oh, God, is is? Are you trying to not talk about them? No, I don't know why. Not at all. To well, honor... I guess. I guess. I guess you know, Left Eye Lopez was such a was such a big part of it. That, yeah, and know, she didn't leave the band, did she? She tragically died in an accident. So she I guess it's, it, it honours her memory by keeping the L yeah. in TLC. Yeah. Hi. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, apparently they're the best-selling American girl group of all time, which is crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, which is crazy. And speaking of cra- <laughs> speaking of crazy... I had to listen to their album "Crazy Sexy Cool." Yes. Yeah, which was Crazy, released. Sexy Cool, C S C. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's all one word. It's all done as one word, which is uh, interesting in the title. Yeah. So it's just C. Mm-hmm. Uh, came out in nineteen ninety four. A big album for TLC. Featured the massive hits "Waterfalls." Yeah. And "Creep." Don't go. Yeah. And "Creep." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, so I listened to that a few times, and then I listened to, um, this is TLC, uh, the Spotify yeah, the playlist that just has the singles oh. and stuff on it. Well, because okay. for every kind of big band, there's always a Spotify playlist called like this is TLC mm. or this is Weezer or this is Radiohead or whatever. So yeah. I, I listened to the Spotify kind of compilation of them, and um. And yeah, I I I kind of stick by I kind of maintain that I really like No Scrubs, which isn't on Crazy Sexy mm. School, but I I really like that song. And Waterfalls. That's in Fun Mail. It's not in Crazy Sexy Cool, is it? Yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, it's not on Crazy Sexy Cool. Yeah, but I don't mm. know what album it is on, but it's a good song. Yeah, uh, the second one. Yeah. Um, Creep is a good song. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Waterfalls is obviously. And almost, um, I probably should listen to it more, but I almost feel like when I was listening, the the, couple, the few times I listened to Crazy Sexy Cool, I was kind of like, yeah, this is pretty good, but it's going to be really good when Waterfalls gets here. <laughs> yeah. And then Waterfalls gets there, and yeah, it's pretty incredible stuff. Like, that song is amazing. Um, yeah, that song is pretty cool. The whole album is cool it sort of suffers slightly from the i feel like it's a bit of a 90s thing of having like interludes all over your hip-hop albums yeah 
Um, yeah. And I don't need necessarily includes, although it's quite good actually. This one actually separates them out into separate tracks, so you could hide them on Spotify and just listen to the album without the interludes, which is probably mm. the way to go. Whereas, um, uh, what she, uh, Lauren Hill has the interludes just on the end of tracks, so you can't. Mm, yeah. It's impossible to. Uh, come on, Lauren Hill. Anyway, um, I feel like with interludes, you either like them or hate them. Like yeah. I like them. <sighs> I personally like them. I feel like if an artist decided to do that, there is a reason, and I and sometimes pretty cool, and sometimes they kind of like put you in a different. Uh, I don't know. Uh, as they they show you a different aspect of the album, or maybe of the I don't know. I quite liked interludes, but when I talk to people, there's more people that don't like interludes. It's like, why do I have to listen to somebody on the phone, and why do I have to listen to a uh, recorded voice message? It's like, well, because it's fun, isn't it? It's fun the first few times, but I feel like with an album, you listen to it over and over again. A song is entertaining over and over again. A conversation yeah. is entertaining like a handful of times. And then it stops. Well, like Frank Ocean, the, the interlude when he goes, uh, you can't, you must, uh, don't smoke weed, don't drink alcohol. Yeah, skip it. I don't know, I like that. Skip you it. skip it. The, oh, the, interlude, no. the interlude on Blonde with the French guy talking about the girlfriend that dumped him because he because he wouldn't add her on Facebook. Oh. Yeah. Why yeah. do why I? Why not? Why is that? That's not a song though, I think. Yeah, but it's part of the album and it's, it's part of the story of the album. Like, I feel like, I don't know, in, I don't know, like, for example, in The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, the interludes are, like, about school and that's what the album is about. I don't know. Come on. I, I, I don't know. I like, I, like, I like them. But it's I know it's an unpopular opinion. The, opinion. the thing with the Lauren Hill ones opinion. is that they are too long and they are all the same. Well, they're not all the same. They are all the same. They're all the same uh, location. They're all the same setting and scenario. It's like a guy talking to a group of kids. Yeah. It's boring. Well, okay. I want you to listen to one of the best interludes ever and tell me you don't enjoy it. And I will send you the link. It's Muramasa. There is an interlude in the in that album that I love. And I, 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 I actually, when I listen to that album, I look forward to that interlude. Right. Okay. <laughs> I will send you the. I will send it to you, and then we can talk about it next week because it's so good. Okay, the interludes on to Pimper Butterfly are pretty good. I'll, I'll give. Yeah, it to those that. are good interludes. Not all interludes are bad. Well, I like them all. But... You don't like them all. Don't say silly things. Not though. all. I like a lot of them. Sorry, G. <laughs> uh, you don't like M and M's in interludes, surely? I don't remember them actually. Oh, they're rubbish. They're just irritating and immature. Anyway, I might like them. <laughs> um, <laughs> Rubbish, irritating, and immature. Hello. Yeah, it's like our podcast. Um, <laughs> what? That's so mean. Sorry, podcast. Um, but that's broadly kind of my yeah that yeah TLC are great. Their singles are amazing. I haven't really grasped the album yet, but I feel like that's not the point with TLC almost. Yeah, like it's cool that like the album's good, but you can see the effort went into you know waterfalls, and that song is a, an a, an absolute like once in a generation banger of yeah. a song. And then they did no scrubs, yeah, which was perfected yeah. later by Weezer, but TLC did a pretty good job with it. <laughs> yeah, no, they're a good. They're a good nineties band, and you know, I listened to the album as well. 
And I was like, I'm glad I didn't know what the lyrics meant when I was, uh, you know. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty explicit stuff on there, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is. I was like, wow. But, you know, I was Italian. Well, I'm still Italian, but I it's lucky your was mainly Italian. Family friend didn't make your mum throw it away. No, because I, I didn't I didn't buy it. Um, uh, I didn't never bought actually set Crazy Sexy Cool. I listened to Crazy Sexy Cool through um, through MTV. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, when Waterfalls came out, came out, and the video is pretty amazing. You should watch the video. I'm pretty sure I've seen the video, but I don't remember. Watch it again. Yeah, we'll do. Great. Well, you know. Positive, positive, all positive vibes. This week. Yep, absolutely. Five, four, three, two, one. Our top five. Top five movie villains. Yeah, men or women doesn't matter. You're a movie villain. Um. Uh. Yeah. True. Mine are all yeah. men. I'm sorry. Oh no, mine are not all men. Okay, good, good for you. <laughs> I almost uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, go on. Well, like I don't know. I I uh yeah. Okay. No, I I felt I was I have a list of loads of names, but I finally made a list which I'm uh, semi happy about. Good. Okay, so my uh, number five is a villain from an English uh, film um, from from 2001. And the villain is called Brick Top. And the film he's in is Snatch. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Cool. Why? Why are you laughing? Just, I uh, just was not what I expected you to say. <laughs> Why? No, it's good. It's a good choice. He feeds people to oh, pigs well, in that movie. He does feed people to pigs, like Bricktop. So, um, it's in the film Snatch, and Snatch is about um illegal gambling. Basically, it's a film about illegal gambling. So, uh, Jason Statham plays a boxing promoter. His name is Turkish. I can't say the can't do the accent, and he convinces uh, Bricktop uh, to bet on this bare knuckle boxer, Mickey Brad Pitt, like one of the best Brad Pitt. <laughs> he like tags. Uh, <laughs> Um. So and then it's just it's just uh when uh, when uh, Mickey, which is the bare bo- knuckle boxer, doesn't do what he's supposed to do, um, according to Brick Top, um, he demands another match, and then it's all a big snatch thing. But what I like about Brick Top is just that he is evil. He is scary all around, but scary in a very earthy way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's an earthy kind of scary. You know that he means business. You know that he's evil. You know that his house is going to be covered in in red velvet. He's got the he's got the the quiff. He's got the glasses. He's got the accent. And he's just bloody evil. And when he's around. When is it? Because I was watching clips and it just reminded me how how terrified I was of him. Just because anything can happen. He's a terrifying guy. 
because it's this little old man that will feed you to the pigs. And how are you going to be fed to the pigs? You know, you have to be cut in six parts and you have to, like, get your teeth taken away. <laughs> Just I think it's that amazing. sort of way he describes the how it happens in, like, forensic detail is what makes it so yeah. terrifying is that he kind of... It makes you realise like that he's nothing. done it a lot because he knows exactly how yeah. it works. It's This is not the first time he's feeding a man to a pig. No, <laughs> he's this an is old hand rodeo. feeding men to pigs. Been... And then also there's the horror of exactly how it's done is just awful. So, yeah, no, it's pretty yeah. incredible. So, yeah, that's my number four. Bricktop. No, it's not. It's your number five. Oh, God. That's my number five. Bricktop. <laughs> Good, good, a good shout, an unexpected choice, but I really like it. Well done. Um, good times. Yeah, very good times. All right, my number five is, um, so you've just given us a really good example of a villain who is just evil, and we don't need to understand why he's doing what he's doing. He's just an evil, mm. terrifying guy, which is a great type of movie villain. The other kind of great type of movie villain is the movie villain where you can see where they're coming from and understand why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah? Okay. So yeah. one of my favourite examples of that kind of movie villain is Gollum. Gollum! Gollum. 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 My, my precious. Precious. My precious. Gollum. I don't know if I've talked about it much on this podcast yet, but I really love the Lord of the Rings movies quite a lot. Mm. Big fan of those films. And Same. I mean, there's there's not going to be anyone listening who doesn't know what who Gollum is, but he is a kind of iconic character from those movies. He is a halfling, not a hobbit necessarily, but a sort of halfling character who many, many years earlier before the films are set, discovered the One Ring and kind of kept killed his friend to keep it. Uh, it shows you that in the, at the start of, I think it's the third movie maybe, or the second film? Mm. I can't remember exactly. I think it's the third movie, Return of the King. Uh, kills his friend to keep yeah. the ring and then hides in a cave with it for, you know, I guess hundreds of years um, and gets kind of transformed and mutated in the dark and the dank into this kind of horrible little gross golem. There's no, He's not a dwarf, he's not a troll, he's not a goblin, he's just a golem, a smeagol, a golem. Um, and, yeah, when the ring eventually finds its way to... He loses the ring in The Hobbit uh, to... Uh, to Bilbo Baggins and then Bilbo eventually gives the ring to Frodo and the, hence setting off the uh, the films where Frodo has to try and destroy the ring and Gollum ends up kind of coming looking for the ring and trying to take it back from Frodo and the great like there's these there's these brilliant scenes in the second movie where it's Frodo and Sam and Gollum trying to get across this marshland and stuff and get to Mount Doom and Sam doesn't trust Gollum and Gollum is trying to turn Frodo against Sam and there's these scenes where he's like, and Andy Serkis, it's one of the first fully motion capture performed uh, characters in the film. It's like Andy Serkis with a, a jumpsuit covered in ping pong balls on him, basically acting out the character. Yeah. And then they kind of added on the CGI actual creation afterwards. And there's these incredible scenes where Andy Serkis is doing two roles. He's playing Gollum and Smeagol, who is like the original person that became Gollum. And like, there's... Well, the good, I don't know if that's totally correct, but it's like the good version and the bad version and he's arguing of himself mm. and the way Peter Jackson films it where he kind of, um, I don't know if he breaks the 180 line, but he kind of makes it look as if it's a conversation between two people, basically. Uh, yeah. 
uh, it's amazing. It's incredible work. Cool. It still holds yeah. up today, special effects wise, and it's just incredible. Mm. There's an incredible performance. Like, there's a reason why for years people would just go around going, "My precious," precious. and stuff, because it's just one of those iconic roles. And there's definitely like, there's at least three three of the villains on my list of these kind of iconic cultural icons, mm. and like Gollum is absolutely one of those. He he is a a truly repulsive unpleasant villain the scene of him eating a fish is just disgusting oh, <laughs> um yes. but you love to yeah. you just you love to hate him you love to hate him he's mm-hmm. such a he's such a little creepy guy yeah no i love gollum and i'll always love yeah. gollum and they're making yeah. alex alex you've got George. to know about this George. they're making what? a gollum video game are you no <laughs> yeah Make... That's so exciting. I think it's just been delayed no. to next year or something, but they're making a Gollum video game. I've no, I can't wow. even, I can't grasp what that's going to be, how, like what that it actually will be, but hmm. it's going to be made. You, we're going to get to play as Gollum. We, you get be Gollum. So you're going to be the bad guy, the villain. Yeah, but I don't. Well, yeah, but I mean, see, there's. A, I almost expected you to argue with me about whether he really is a villain or not. Because I feel like he's almost is. yeah, but you can understand where he's coming from. Like he's he's been warped by this ring, and he's just yeah. But but then you could talk about a lot of villains are like that. But no, he is definitely. a villain. He tries he tries to not. So the goal of Frodo is to get this thing this ring to Sauron. Yeah, and he's trying his best not to do that. But and also that is a villain. But Sauron wants the ring so he can take over Middle Earth and be evil. Gollum wants the yeah. ring so he can just have it and then sit in a little cave. Like, he doesn't want to hurt anybody. Like, if he had yeah. the ring, he wouldn't harm anyone. He'd just have it. What? No, because if somebody's gonna, if somebody steals it from him, then he's going to harm them because he has killed before. No, no, exactly. So he's, he's killed and stuff. He's a, bad, he's a bad person. He's not a good person necessarily, but he's not... Like, Sauron is a villain. Like, he's the villain. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Like, I guess so. Yeah, I'm not defend. I'm I not like so. trying to because I'm not trying to convince you that Gollum shouldn't be on my list, but he's not necessarily like he's mm. not motivated by wanting to do evil things. He's motivated by wanting the ring, and if he got the ring and was left alone, he wouldn't hurt anyone. Yeah. If you see what I mean. I guess so. Yeah. But then somebody is always going to try and find that ring, so you know, is always going to at some point be a villain. Yeah. No, that's fair. Know. But then, yeah. is he a villain if it's if he's got the ring? It, it's his ring at that point, and then if someone's trying to take it off him, they're the villain. Mm. But then, in the end, he's not a villain anymore because he he becomes good, doesn't he? And uh, no, in the end, he falls into a big pit of lava. Ah oh, yeah, ah oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Spoilers for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I don't know. Well, villain is the person that you think is the bad guy. Yeah, and he's a bad guy. No, yeah, he's a bad. guy. Billy Eilish is is the best villain. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Billy Eilish. Yeah, because a bad guy. Never mind. Ah, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I'm a bad guy. Duh. Duh. Here's your number four. My number four. My number four. My number four. Okay. So my number four is oh okay. Well, basically, this was hard because the the two villains that I wanted to put in my list were kind of similar. It kind of came from the same book, so I had to choose one of them. Oh. They're both women. 
they're both women. And the one I didn't put in my list, but it's going to be my honorable mention, is Mrs. Carmody from The Mist. Oh, okay. She's she's she was supposed to, she was gonna be, but then I didn't. So my number four is from a film uh, from a nineteen ninety horror mystery thriller film uh, called Misery, uh. and the villain is um, Annie Wilkes. Annie Wilkes. Mm. Yes. What? No, it's good. <laughs> okay, I was like, oh. Uh, yeah, so um, uh, Misery is about this writer, um, Paul uh, Sheldon. novelist Paul Sheldon, uh, that um, has a serious uh, car crash and is rescued by this uh, former nurse, Annie Wilkes, uh, played by Kathy Bates. Oh. Which, wow. Did she win, uh, she won an Oscar, didn't she, for that? Yeah, she won an Oscar for it. And uh, she claims that she, him, to be his biggest fan. And um, she takes him to this cabin <laughs> to uh, make him recover. Um, where she realize, she finds out that um, Misery... She, she, does she find out when she's in the cabin that Mis- the, the character of uh, Paul Sheldon's books, Misery, is going to die? Yeah, isn't it that he's he's resting up in her cabin and then yeah. the new Misery book comes out and she yeah. buys it and reads it and Misery yeah. dies in that book, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. she sort of turns so. on him. Yeah, she. T- oh my God, she turns on But she turns on him like, ah. Because he's a dirty uh, bird. In a re- <laughs> yeah, she turns on him and... Uh, um, he tries to um, he tries to escape, and she becomes more and more controlling, and asks him to change the story of misery to make kind of resuscitate this character, and it just becomes. And then one day, one day he tries to escape. She kind of finds out because she's like, I don't know, she knows everything. And the scene that I will never get off from my head is when she puts <laughs> that plank of wood in between his feet, <laughs> and does what she does hobbles him oh and it's awful Mm. it's awful because you you that scene for me may it just it just always it will always be in my head and the the way that she's such a she changed this character changes so much you know she looks after him and she she you know she's a nurse and then as soon as he doesn't do what he wants her to do no, as soon as he does what she doesn't want him to do, then she just turns, mm. pam, and she just becomes... But isn't there a thing where when she had been a nurse, she'd done some pretty bad things as well? Yeah, but you don't know that until... No, no, I just it's because I've, the film. I've seen the film and read the book, so I'm not necessarily remembering if they put that in the film, but... I think, I think does he not find out stuff when he tries to escape? Wasn't she like? Wasn't she like murdering babies? Something like that. Yeah. She's like a, a a deaf nurse kind of thing. Yeah, because I think he finds papers, doesn't he? He finds newspaper. Yeah. Clippings. Is Showing, that, yeah. yeah. That she was disgraced. Yeah. Yes. Yes. But you don't know that. At the no, beginning. no. 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 You no. You think no, yeah. he's, she's just helping him out, and then she p- takes him somewhere really far, and you don't think he's gonna make it because <laughs> she's 
She's evil. Yeah, um, there's a scene where she yeah, runs somebody of... over in like a lawnmower. That's oh horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. Like when when I started this list, she was definitely on my list. Like she she's in my list, and I it just I'll always remember her as like a movie villain, like the best. She, and, yeah, um, yeah, she's she is she's yeah. one of the best. I hadn't even thought I, of I her, just, and I'm embarrassed now because it's it is one of the best performances ever. Of I, all time. Yeah, and I just love it, and she's just she's just evil, terrible. Yeah, it's amazing how like you know she can just turn into this horror. Oh, I went oh, this the scene when she just gets the feet and the feet the feet just flop. And you're like, Whoa. Have you read the book? <laughs> No, no, I haven't read. Do you know how that scene? Do you know how that scene is different in the book? How she just see it's kind of worse, but I think I think it wouldn't look as horrible in a film. So I can see why they changed it. Yeah. In the in the book, she just straight up cuts off his feet. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would take much longer. In a like, I think I think I think the that. A scene is so effective because it's just like she does things. It's like, what's she gonna do? And then suddenly she goes, "Pam!" It's like, ah, why? Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it's a really, really good film, and I think a great villain, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think you are absolutely right to put her in your list. She is, she is terrifying. Yeah. Like the whole thing where but she refuses put... to swear. She doesn't swear. Yeah. She says she calls people dirty birds and things like that. Yeah, and but. Yeah. Yeah, she's it's really scary. She's genuinely really scary. It's amazing how Stephen King can make these really scary women. Yeah, because you because I mean not because she's not on your list, but Mrs. Carmody in the Mist is the uh, the religious that's lady it. who whips everyone up into yeah. a frenzy. She is. I mean, that's yeah. one of the few times I've seen people applaud in a cinema is when she gets killed in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Spoilers for yeah. the Mist. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but it was amazing. Yeah. So, but I wasn't sure which one, but it because. Um, because Annie Wilkes was just like the first one that came into my head. It's like, yeah, she was memorable, like really memorable as a villain. So, her, my number four. Nice. What's your number four? My number four is an icon. Ooh. Mindless. Mm-hmm. Uh, killing machine. Oh. Yeah. It is the one and only. Ant-Man. Yes. No. It is the one and only uh, Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th series of films. Have you seen any Friday yeah. the 13th films? No. No. Um, no. Jason is like... I mean, the story The story of Jason is that he was a little boy staying in a summer camp. The camp counsellors got too preoccupied with taking drugs and kissing each other that they didn't notice he, him drowning in a lake and he died... Um, and then his, and then in like, in the original Friday the 13th movie, um, somebody comes back and starts murdering camp counselors as revenge for them allowing Jason to die years earlier. Uh, the twist, I mean, spoilers for Friday the 13th, if you really care. Um, (laughs) uh, the twist in that movie is it's not actually Jason. It is, uh, Jason's mother is killing them. And then in in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, that's when they bring in Jason, and it's suddenly he's, uh, who they never bother explaining how he isn't dead. <laughs> there, there's no interest in explaining why he's able to be alive, when the whole point is that he died in a lake. 
Um, but he's alive mm. in the woods and he kills a load of counsellors. But he has a bag over his head. In the third movie, iconically, he puts on a hockey mask. And there we have Jason, as we know and love him today. Ah, so he didn't always have a hockey no, mask. No, he didn't always have a hockey mask. Only in part three does he produce the hockey mask. Um, wow. And then there's like 12 movies in total. And the, what I love, so I, I almost put, because I really wanted to have like an iconic slasher movie villain on my list because I love slasher films. Mm. And you've got you've got like Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw movies. Not really slasher films, but he's kind of a slasher villain, if that makes sense. Michael Myers is kind of, my favourite slasher movie is probably Halloween. So Michael Myers is up there. But the Halloween mm. sequels are terrible. Almost exclusively terrible. There's like two good ones. Whereas the Friday, mm. the Friday the 13th movies, none of them come close to the quality of the first Halloween, but all of them are pretty watchable because they don't, like, Halloween gets bogged down in, is Michael Myers um, a god by made by a cult? Like, it, get, it gets all these, it, it becomes like this ridiculous plot of nonsense. Whereas Friday the 13th is like, we're at a camp, there are teenagers, mm. There's a guy in a hockey mask with a big machete and he's going to murder them. And that's all you ever want and that's all it ever gives you. And it, for that purity, if you see what I mean, I kind of really love mm. the Jason movies just because you can put on pretty much any of them and get exactly mm. the same thing. And uh, sometimes you just want to see some irritating teenagers get a harpoon through them while they're in, in bed together and, you know, put on Friday the 13th and that's what you'll get. And it just looks, he just looks, he just looks cool. He's a big hulking guy with a hockey mask on and a machete. <laughs> I like him. I like mm. Jason. So yeah, you, you haven't, yeah, you haven't seen any of them, have you? No. 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 They're not scary. Are they not? No, they're, Are you sure? I'm really sure they're not scary. Like you've seen stuff like Sounds of the Lambs or what else have I made yeah. you watch? I've made you watch some genuinely scary films. <laughs> you have. You have. Friday the 13th yeah. is just, it's just sort of, it's too silly to be scary, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, It's just, it's not trying to build suspense, really. It's just sort of, you know what's going to happen, and then it happens, and it's just fun to see mm. the special effects and, and, and the screaming and stuff, so... So yeah, I love I like Jason. Jason's my guy. I'm surprised at myself. I really thought Michael Myers would be on there, but then I thought about it and I was like, no. Do you know what? Jason. Jason. Jason Voorhees. Jason. Yes. Jason cool. Voorhees. Nice. So choice. there we go. What's your number three? Three. My number three is an unlikely villain. Oh. Or a very likely villain, depending on how you look at it. Mm. Uh, so it's a film uh, that I actually watched with you at the cinema and was pretty intense. And uh, the villain is called uh, Amy Dunn. And the film is Gone Girl. Oh. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So Gone Girl is um <laughs> what is Gone Girl? Uh so it's a um, psychological thriller. On the is a psychological thriller and um 
on on their wedding anniversary, uh, the Nick Dunn uh, reports his wife Amy Dunn has gone missing, um, and the this this thing goes into a media frenzy. And um, this the portrayal that uh, the husband gives about the family kind of is not true. And a lot of the film, you feel like Nick Dunn, the husband, is the (laughs) villain. Yeah. (laughs) Then you realize. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's almost a spoiler to say that she's a villain. Uh, I see what you mean. Guys, it's a spoiler. My number four, my number three is a spoiler. In the the show notes for this week, I'm just going to have to be like, Spoilers abound. Spoiler. Yeah. So like a lot of the film, you feel like he's the villain and you hate him and you go, oh, God. And then (laughs) you realize that she is the villain. She's one of the most um, manipulative characters I have seen in films and so unexpected because she seems like a a person. And then she's totally the opposite and the things that she does are so twisted that you go what and it it, it just with her is surprise after surprise after surprise (laughs) and I feel as a villain she's just amazing and the film is so well done that you don't you don't really suspect anything until quite quite into the film don't Mm. you yeah and the book I read the book before I saw the film the book is amazing at doing a similar thing as well where I think for half the book, you're seeing it from his perspective and then suddenly there's a bit where it's yeah. like the diary of Amy Dunn and you read a diary for a bit and you're like, oh, oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> who is who is the villain in this? And like, she's like so calculating. She's a, she's, she's pretty psychotic, isn't she? Like, Yeah, I mean, she straight up murders Neil up. Patrick Harris, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, she you're right. She straight up murders. I don't want to say too much because I already spoiled well, quite I mean, a lot. With, it, uh, at this yeah. point, in for a penny, in for a pound. At this point, yeah. And, uh, you know, and she's, you know, th- it comes from like um, a really twisted childhood that she says she had and, you know, kind of creates this character that she is. And she uh, she kind of portrays portrayed like a really happy life. But in reality, it wasn't that way. And she's just brilliant. She's a brilliant villain. And what else can I say about her? No, I think you've got... I mean, well, Rosamund Pike yeah. in particular oh, is so Rosamund good. Rosamund Pike is amazing. Yeah. She's such a good actress. She's... she's And and another thing, like, a bit uh, like Kathy Bates, she's so good at turning. Like, you know, you, you assume that... Um, She's this like nice lady that, you know, that her husband has been mistreating her. Uh, there's a scene where she like strangles herself. <laughs> and then she says, I'm going to say you did it. You go, whoa. Oh, whoa. Yeah, yeah, whoa. yeah. It's, whoa. it's horrible. Um, And she turns and it's just, she's just a brilliant actress. And I, I feel like a really twisted villain. And poor Ben Affleck, poor Nick Dunn. Yeah, and you you don't but, want to feel sorry for him because he's he's no. kind of not a very likable character, even though he's not a, he's not a villain. He's, he's not no, particularly likable, and and he cheats on her, yeah. and he's he spends all the money. He's a bit of a man child, and you go, well, I don't like you, but poor you, <laughs> like she's 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 um 
a tough cookie. Yeah, it's like taking a <laughs> sledgehammer to a, a very small problem, really. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, and I th- I feel like also at that point, I think a lot of stuff about Ben Affleck was coming out as well. So you didn't really like Ben Affleck anyway because of all the media that was coming out of, of him. Yeah. So you already didn't particularly like him. Then he wasn't a very nice guy. And then his wife disappears and you go, oh, my God, Ben Affleck, I hate you. Look what you've done. And then you realize that he's actually the victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's such a conniving character and so manipulative that she just makes everybody believe even you as the like viewer you believe that she is the victim yeah she's not about about yeah once or twice a decade an amazing psychological thriller comes out and i i just Mm. live for like science of the lambs misery uh gone girl seven like yeah Every now and then a film, made, and actually two of those movies I just listed were a David Fincher movies. Like he's the king of these, but like, yeah, yeah, I just I just live for these psychological fillers with the with an, the better, especially when they have an amazing twist in them, like Gone Girl does. I just I just love it. It's so good. So yeah, a strong choice. Amy Dunn, Gone Girl, Amy number Dunn, three. Gone Girl, like it. Right, my number three is um, some actors become associated almost exclusively with playing villains right mm, yeah uh and one of the best ever to do it was alan rickman ah! and i almost had hans gruber on my list but because we've already <gasps> sort of talked at length about how much we love yeah. hans gruber and uh, well how much we love alan rickman um i decided not to put him on my top five but i mean alan rickman's mm. hans gruber in die hard is is like the all-time best action yeah. movie villain it's incredible but yeah. i decided instead to highlight another actor who became iconically known for playing movie villains and my favorite role of his or villainous role of his is dennis hopper yes baby yeah uh, he's such a good movie villain dennis hopper is an amazing movie villain he um played the villain in speed he played the villain in yeah. uh, the Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> um, he played a villain in one of the... Blue Velvet as well? Sorry? Blue Velvet. Is he, is he in Blue Velvet? So, here we go. Yeah. My number three is Frank Booth, <gasps> Dennis Hopper's villain in David Lynch's 1986 classic, Blue Velvet. Is it David Lynch? Yeah. Blue Velvet? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've, I've seen that film. Oh, so you there we go. I didn't realize it was David Lynch. Yeah, yeah of course it's David Lynch. Imagine. It's pretty normal for David Lynch. Um, when did you last watch it? A long time ago. So no, I know. Does he not? Is they? Does he not like? Is he not addicted to oxygen or something? Well, this is a, so okay. So there's a great thing where. Um, okay, sorry. I'm. I'm go on the on I'm, the I'm on taking the your shine on the. So Blue Velvet is the story of a, a young man played by Carl McLaughlin from Twin Peaks, who. Finds yeah. an a human ear in a field one day after his. It's, uh, the movie opens with his dad having a heart attack, and he's walking home from the hospital having visited his father, and he finds this ear, and he takes it. He puts it in a brown paper bag and takes it to the police, and then he goes to the police officer's house that evening to ask him if he if they found out anything about where this ear came from. The policeman's like. I'm finding stuff out, but you kind of have to leave it with me. And I'll, when it's all finished with, I'll let you know. And Cal McLachlan's a bit like, well, I want to be part of it and know about it. And as he leaves the house, Laura Dern, um, who's playing the policeman's daughter, 
turns up and tells him that she her bedroom is above his office and she's overheard some talk about the air and stuff and she can kind of lead him on a bit and gives him an apartment building in the name of this singer played by Isabella Rossellini. And he goes to her apartment. He he sneaks in one day under the guise of being a pest exterminator and steals her key and then goes back later and hides in her closet and watches her. And then Frank Booth arrives and is just similar to Bricktop. He's so... And it is a it is a, a bit of a surreal movie. Like it's not as strange as some of David mm-hmm. Lynch's work, but it's a surreal. It is surreal, but his evilness in it, his evil is really feels really real, and I think that's what makes it so terrifying. Mm. Is that he's just being he's extremely abusive towards this woman, is played by Isabella yeah. Rossellini. But he's also he thinks he's in love with her, but he just doesn't know how to show it, which is a something that happens a lot. But sadly, mm. um, but yeah, he has this like canister with an oxygen mask attached to it. And the really funny thing is that um, on the Blu-ray, there's an interview with Dennis Hopper where he's talking about how he got this role. And originally this canister was meant to be filled with helium and David Lynch had written it that Frank Booth would like take hits of this helium and then be speaking in like, I guess, a squeaky voice or whatever. Yeah. And Dennis Hopper was like, Oh, really? Because I kind of imagined it might be like amyl nitrate and stuff like that that he'd be getting high on. And David Lynch was like, oh, I've never heard of that. What's that? Like David Lynch is, for, for a man who makes such dark films, he's a really innocent guy. Like, Yeah, it's like, oh, you're just <laughs> taking shots of Haiti. <laughs> yeah. And Dennis Hopper was like, oh, no, I know I know an actual like quite serious drug that he might be taking. <laughs> and Dennis Hopper, because Dennis Hopper had just gone sober and had basically lived the life of Frank Booth in a way and like had been on all this stuff for years. Mm. And Dennis Hopper was like, look, if it, if it was amyl nitrate in there, this is what it would be like. And he kind of demonstrated to David Lynch how you'd behave if you were on that. And David Lynch was like, mm. oh, that's much better. <laughs> we should do that. Which I just love. I love how I just any story about David Lynch makes me happy. But that particularly is great. And there's also <laughs> another story how like Frank Booth swears. And David Lynch wrote this script. Frank Booth, Dennis Hopper's character, swears constantly in this movie. And it's mm. obnoxious. And whenever David Lynch was directing him, he'd be like... Yeah, when you say that, when you use that word, when you say that word, Dennis Hopper would be like, what you mean? And he'd be like, yeah, yeah, that, that word. <laughs> and it's like, say it. Why aren't you saying it? You wrote it. So he's such a great guy, David Lynch. Um, so, yeah, um, Dennis, but Dennis Hopper in this movie is terrifying and awful and mm. just really yeah. similar to Bricktop in a way, like unpredictable, like you never know what's going to upset mm. him. Um, or what's going to make... Like, there's yeah. points in the movie where he's sobbing and crying and f- seems like mm. a kind of an innocent child, and then in a second he'll just turn and just be attacking somebody. There's a, there's a bit in the movie where he walks up to Kyle McLachlan and just punches him in the face out of nowhere, and it's just... It's horrible. He's horrible and terrifying, and it's just... It's just one of the perfect movie villains, really, is, um, yeah, Frank Booth in Blue Velvet. It's truly terrifying. So, um... So yeah, he's my he's my pick. I and you you've seen it, so you agree? Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was David Lynch, but yeah, he's he's terrifying. Dennis Hopper is terrifying anyway. Oh yeah. Like I find he's got a terrifying face. Yeah. But yeah, he's pretty crazy in this one and he he makes a he makes a good I don't know, a, a good terrifying unstable character. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Good choice, man. Thank you very much. I like it. Mm. What's your number two? 
My number two is a villain from a franchise, uh, a movie franchise uh, from 2008, uh, from The Dark Knight. And the villain is the Joker, played by, um, what's his name? <laughs> played by, what's his name? Heath Ledger. Ledger. Ledger's the Joker. Mm. I wasn't sure if I should put him in. But I really liked his portrayal of the Joker and I, I I really like Batman and I feel like Batman always has some good villains, but I think this one stood out very like really stood out, this Joker. And I know maybe it's a predictable choice, but I stand by it. Uh no, I think that it's one of the all time I think it's the best comic book movie villain. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Heath Ledger actually kind of managed to portray this villain in a really interesting, original, but also quite to the... I don't know. I, I It just... any Everything that he did was the Joker, wasn't he? He was in a really kind of natural psychotic way the joker yeah yeah and um i don't know i just i just really like it how he talks and the the, the gestures it did his you you it is is also very unpredictable as a joker um you had moments where he was like totally like uh off off the chain and then moments like the moment where they're in the cell and um, he's just sitting down, like staring through the bars. That's just a beautiful, powerful moment that you just kind of like, oh, is he? Is he? Because you never actually believe that he's that evil for what he does, but then he does really evil things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's so unhinged in every everything and unhinged, but also he comes out of nowhere. You never know where he's come from. Like what produced him? Yeah. When he, he there's yeah. there's points repeatedly in the movie where he describes how he got his facial scars and it's always different and you never know what the true story is and it's just it's just it's more it's like this unpredictable i can't remember where i heard this for the first time but i've i've heard him once be predict uh, compared to the shark in jaws in terms of just like ah, this okay. monster that just moves through the movie and causes mayhem every time they, he turns up and you never know where he's going to come yeah. from and he even has this almost jaws like uh, musical theme that follows him through the film as yeah. well, like this rising noise that comes in when he's... It, and it's truly... It's, like, scary for a comic book movie. He's, like, mm. a terrifying... Yeah, it's, it's a... Yeah. it's a, And he correctly won an Oscar for, for the... Like, yeah, yeah, it's great. He's a, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant character and uh, really, really scary. Yeah. And Heath Ledger was incredible at doing it. Just so good. What's your number two? Well, my number. So, full disclosure, I did. I did originally have uh, Heath Ledger's Joker on my list. Oh. But. Oh. Um, I've removed him. I feel like you. You've got him covered. Yeah. Yeah. So I've. I've kind of to give a bit more. Um. Yeah, I don't know to give a bit more. What, variety. You removed him right now. Yeah. Well, a few minutes ago, I removed him. You removed him right now, yeah, 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 so we yeah, don't yeah. have anything in common again. I like when we have things in common. I know, but I want to talk about a wider range of things. I like. Fine. So I've put in at number two, 
Yeah. Uh, one of the th- one of the movie villains who has truly terrified me to my core, uh, and left me sleepless the first time I saw the movie they're in, is Sadako. Oh, from the Ringu. From Ringu. Ringu, not the Ringu. <laughs> from the Ringu. From Ringu. From Ringu, yeah. Ooh. Um, the Sadako. The iconic. Uh, haunted girl with the black long black hair over her face and she 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 climbs out of a tv and it's horrible (laughs) um she yeah so the movie's about a the movie's about a possessed a cursed videotape and when you watch it uh a voice calls you and tell no does it actually is that the american because i've watched the american remake as well that's the american version how do you get told that you're going to die in seven days or does it just happen can't remember Anyway, you, if you watch it, you die seven days later, basically, unless you show the videotape mm. to somebody else. Uh, the movie is about a journalist who's trying to get to the bottom of the story and discovers the story of Sadako and that she was this young girl in this seaside town who had these powers and she wasn't understood, so eventually she was murdered and it led to her being this ghost of anger that haunts this tape and kind of kills people. And she's terrifying. She's really scary. Mm. And... I think the reason I've put her on as a villain is because I also really like there's Ring 2 and then there's a film called Ring Zero which is a prequel that tells the story of oh. Sadako and how she became to be and it's not as good as Ringu or anything like that mm. but it's a pretty entertaining movie and taken in total she's mm. she is an iconic and terrifying villain um mm. yeah. yeah so yeah Sadako have you seen Ringu I've seen The Ring with Naomi Watts. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's great. Uh, she's not called Sadako in that. She's got a different name, but, you know, no. kind of basically the same character. Um, yeah. That's a really... That's one of the few good horror film remakes. It's I really rate the... Uh, oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, the, the... Good. I thought it was terrifying, so... It yeah. is, yeah. Well, yeah, it is terrifying. <laughs> mm. It's, it's yeah. different from the Japanese one, but, yeah, it's, it's scary stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Sadako. Yeah. In at number two. Cool. I like it. Thank you. I like it very much. Cool. So let's go to number one. Mm. Um, this movie director had most of my villains, but I chose one. Interesting. Of them. Yes. Uh, because I think he, this uh, movie director creates the best villains because he creates the most charming and uh, scary villains. And my number one is from the film Inglorious Bastards uh-huh. and is uh, Hans Lander. Mm. I think it's called Standartenführer, Hans Lander, or something like that, whatever. Uh, Yeah, so um, he is played by Christopher Waltz. Mm -hmm. His alias is the Jew Hunter. Yeah. Um, I find him pretty terrifying. Uh, he's one of, again, I I think I like the the villain that goes kind of like turns because... You know, you first see him in the film when he goes to this house and he just has this normal conversation with this guy and he asks him for a glass of milk and he's just charming and everything. And then he turns <laughs> and then he becomes the most evil, <laughs> like horrifying, terrible human being ever. <laughs> and you just go, but you just were drinking a nice glass of milk. Can you not just be that guy? But no. 
no, I'm going to I'm going to fool you with charm and then I'm going to. So unpredictability for me is just key to for villains in my like, I don't know, from things from this list. And I don't know, it's just horrible and terrifying. And uh, every time he's on the scene, in, in the scene, he's got this smile. And but, you know, there's something's going to happen. He's hasn't landed. He's not a nice guy. That opening sequence uh, where he goes into that house and they're hiding under the floor mm. and he's just sort of talking yeah. very calmly about... What yeah. does he talk? I can't remember. It's ages since I've seen Inglourious Bastards. Something about milk and... Yeah. I don't know, there's, they're in a dairy farm. It's, about it's milk one of those classic and, Quentin Tarantino things where he manages to make them talking about nothing incredibly... Yeah. Uh, like, captivating. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. A good shout, Christoph mm. Waltz. So he's your favourite Tarantino villain. Oh, I feel like the most, for me, memorable. And I know exactly the moments that he made me feel vulnerable, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd put, who else? Because I was thinking, oh, I don't know, there's so many though. Because I was thinking about, um, which one is the guy in Pulp Fiction? Um, Marcellus uh, Wallace. Yeah, like I had him as well, yeah. but then he turns out and he's nice guy. He turns out to be a nice guy, Mister Blonde, very nice guy. Yeah, and then I don't know. And then I was thinking about Django Unchained. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie. Leonardo DiCaprio, who is amazing, but also um, what? How I've forgotten his name. Then no. Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. He's pretty terrifying in that one as well. Yeah, he um, is. He I, was, is. I don't know. But I, if I if I had to think about, like, one, I just thought about Hans, um, um, Hans Lander because I just feel like he's just so... Also, like, you can't mess around with Hans Lander. He's so intelligent. He knows everything. He knows when you're lying. He knows, like, he just you can't... He knows. And that's the problem. Mm. No. Yeah. 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 No, a good shout. Yeah. I like it. Hans Lander. Yeah. Is it not like? Does he do the moment about the three in in Inglorious Bastards that he find figures out that one of them is lying because he asks them, he tells like a three with a different fingers, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but they do a very good job know, of setting terrifying. up, setting him up early on as being extremely competent, so that when he comes head to head with the lady that owns yeah. the cinema, you're yeah. genuinely terrified for her because you know that if she makes a single error, he'll be on her because he's yeah. The, he yeah, yeah like you said you can't mess around with him so that is pretty amazing you work. can't mess around yeah and that's why I chose him because you know I th- I, th- I think Quentin Tarantino creates incredible villains yeah. like. Amazing, but I feel like this one was the most probably competent. Yeah, what about Bill? Like a oh, Bill is in my oh, oh Bill, Bill, Bill is on my honorable <laughs> list, honorable mention. Um, because I love Bill, and also Bill is net like you see him so little in the film, that's but yeah. omnipresent, yeah, is omnipresent, and you go, oh. Yeah, but it could have been a list of Quentin Tarantino villains. Maybe we should do that as well. Yeah, we could do. But then we know Hamzalanda is my favourite. Yeah. But then maybe there'll be a new Tarantino film coming out. I don't know. Maybe. For me, there's definitely something about um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Django Unchained that's just mm. not competent, but 
really horrible. Like he's really, he's just horrible in that movie. Yeah. But you are probably right. It's yeah. probably um, Hans Lander at the end of the day. Yeah. But yeah. Good choice. In my opinion, you know. Yeah. yeah. How about you? What's your number one? My number one is um, from a sci-fi movie. Ooh. Science fiction movie. A character played by a Rutger Hauer. Good choice, baby. Yeah, it is Roy Batty from the movie mm-hmm. Blade from Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner is one of my favourite movies. I adore Blade Runner. The story of yeah. Deckard, a Blade Runner who hunts um, what they call them in the movies. Sin. What what are they called? Androids. <sighs> no. Replicants. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, he has to hunt down replicants and um, a group of replicants escaped from a mining colony or something and are hiding out on Earth and the leader of them is Roy Batty, played by Rutger Hauer and basically this all comes down to the scene where Roy Batty is defeated and knows he's going to die and delivers the best monologue in the history of cinema. Um I think it even has its own Wikipedia page. I think that's how iconic it is. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to yeah. I'm gonna read it out and it's going to be rubbish because I'm not Rutger Hauer, but I'm just going to... This is what I'm talking Try. about. Try. Channel your Rut- Rutger Hauer. Uh, and Rutger, Rutger Hauer kind of like helped to write it. Um, oh, did he? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion... I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. Time to die. I just, I just, I love it. I love it. And like, so, and the like it says on Wikipedia, like the original script before Rutger Hauer rewrote any of it was, I've seen things, seen things you little people wouldn't believe. Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion, bright as magnesium. I rode on the back decks of a blinker and watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tannhauser Gate. All those moments, they'll be gone. Yeah. Which is fine, but it's no... All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Like tears in rain. Mm. That's amazing. And also I feel bad for him because, like, in the end he's a villain, but not really. Like, he just didn't want to die. Yeah, exactly. He just wanted to have a chance to live. For longer. Like, yeah. So in a way, he's one of those villains that is you feel bad for. Yeah, completely. I think that's why I love him so much, yeah. is that he's just, like, he does, I guess he does bad things in the movie, but it's all in, in service of just trying to have a, his own life and just yeah, try to live. absolutely. And he's, in his very conception, he's been made essentially, you know, a servant. He's not not mm. allowed his own life at all. Um, and yeah, and the fight scene between him and House and Ford is really good, and the whole yeah. movie is incredible. But yeah, just I mean, Rutger Hauer was an amazing actor, but he'll always be kind of most well known for Roy Batty, and it's it's genuinely comes down to that speech at the end, which is just purely gorgeous and beautiful. And like the fact that Rutger Hauer wrote the Tears in Rain part is incredible to me. So yeah, he's my number one movie villain of all time, not Great even choice. a villain. Yeah. But I give it up to him. It is kind of a yeah. villain, but then he turns out not to be that much of a villain. 
So, do you want to go through your top five? Yeah. So, my number five is Bricktop from the movie Snatch. Nice. My number four is Annie Wilkes from the movie um, Misery. My mm-hmm. number three is a- Amy Dunn from Gone Girl. My number two is uh, The Joker from uh, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. And my number one is Hans Lander from Inglorious Bastards. Awesome. My top five was Gollum from The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. My number four was Jason Voorhees from the Friday the 13th films. My number three was Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. Number two was Sadako from Ringu. And my number one is Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Excellento. So, yes, please. Uh, let's go for um, honourable mentions. Some honourable mentions, yeah. Okay, so Regina George from Mean Girls. Amazing okay. villain. I love her. She's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. Calvin Candy from Django Unchained. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, Robin Hood, played by who? Alan, Alan Rickman. Rickman. <laughs> uh, Voldemort, Harry Potter, Sauron, Lord of the Rings, Captain Vidal, Pan's Labyrinth. He's terrifying. Oh, yeah. He's yes. an yes, ass bag. That's a great choice. He's, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> He's just so scary, though. Um, Miss Comedy from The Mist. Uh, Eamon mm. Goeth from Shinder's List. Like, oh, terrifying guy. Played by Fines. Ralph Fines. Ralph Fines. I've never seen Shinder's List. Oh, wow. You should watch it. And that is a good movie villain. What, terrifying? I hate him. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, Bill from Kill Bill. Uh, Thanos from... Marvel Universe, Cinematic Universe, like from the, from the MCU, yeah, from the MCU. Yeah. Bill Danting from Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Do you remember him? Played um, by uh, Goodman, John Goodman. John Goodman, yeah, yeah, terrifying yeah, character, yeah. terrifying character, and yeah. um, and Bane from The Dark Knight Rises, amazing villain. Good shouts all around. I like it. Um, so my honorable mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I've got I've got a, a handful that I want to talk about very briefly, and then I'm just going to go for a list without saying much other than naming them. But um, a top of my honorable mentions is Hannibal Lecter because he would have been yeah. my top five if I hadn't already had Science of the Lambs a couple of weeks ago. Annie Wilkes, of course. Yeah. Hans Gruber again would have been in my top five. Would not. Da, da, da. Elliot Carver is my favorite Bond villain, uh, played by Jonathan mm-hmm. Price from the. Uh, Played by Jonathan Price, amazingly. Feels pretty relevant for today. In Tomorrow Never Dies, Elliot Carver is a mm-hmm. evil media mogul who wants to use the news to manipulate the world. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Damien Fawn from the Omen movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrifying little boy. Thanos. You've just mentioned him, but I really do think Thanos is like amazing. They very easily mm-hmm. could have had those mo- those Avengers Endgame and Infinity War movies have a villain that's sort of just there to allow the Avengers to fight him, yeah. but they really put effort into like having Thanos be a yeah. relatable villain. 
Um, and it, it, it works. It's amazing. Rose the Hat from the um, Doctor Sleep, the Shining sequel by okay. Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite recent movie villains. She is, she's just chewing the scenery and it's wonderful to watch uh, mm. in that movie. She's so good. Michael Myers, Halloween. And then yeah. Nurse Ratchet from <gasps> One Flew Over the Cuckoo's yeah, Nest. Yeah, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah. yeah Probably the most human of movie villains. Like she's so banal in her evil, mm. if you see what I mean. Like just yeah. doing her job, but just being mm. awful with it. She's she's horrible. Mm. And then uh, I'm just going to run through these a bit more quickly. Doctor Octopus, Leatherface, Blofeld, Norman Bates, Darth Vader, Jack Torrance, Goldfinger, Lord Summer Isle, Pennywise, Mr. Blonde, Killmonger, Ghostface, The Wet Bandits, Freddy Krueger, T-1000, Agent Smith, Palpatine, Sauron, Voldemort, The Babadook, Candyman, Castle Freak, Pazuzu, Goza the Gozarian, and the killer from The Vanishing. Yeah, cool. Good lists all round, man. Yeah, so homework. Uh, homework. Uh, you've watched everything, haven't you? Yeah. Um, of the films of my honourable mentions, which haven't you, didn't, you haven't watched Schindler's List. Am I going to have to watch Schindler's List this well, week? Well, I, I don't think you can watch anything else, can you? Oh. Okay. You've watched all of them. Um, for you, yeah. I guess. No. It's... No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it was going to be Blue Velvet because you always go on about how you've never seen any David Lynch movies, and then oh, all of a yeah. sudden, transpires that you're a liar. So oh, I didn't realize that, that was David Lynch. <laughs> I can watch it again. But yeah. Because then I don't no. have to watch um, the guy in the hockey mask. <laughs> I think so. You're gonna to have to watch Friday the Thirteenth. Oh, part what? four. That is insane. What? Okay. The one that Crispin Glover is in. I'll send you a specific. I'll send you the title and stuff. But I'm pretty sure it's part four. I think that's the best one. Okay. Um, Should and I not you watch can't watch the, the first one because it doesn't. Sorry. Should I not watch the first one? No, because it... how can you watch the first one? I don't know. Jason isn't in it. Okay, sorry. You didn't. I explained the deep, complex mythology behind the Friday the 13th no, series No, no, you did, you did. And you, you didn't did. listen. I did listen. I'm just confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, right, that's our that's our top five villains, guys, Beautiful. girls. And, if you had um, anything to recommend from your culture catch-up this week, what would it be? It would be the human centipede... Po- no. Oh. Uh, it would be... Um, <laughs> Oh, 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 oh. Uh, listen to OK Human by Weezer and watch... Uh, do Watch Prevenge. Watch Prevenge. That's my recommendation. Prevenge. Ooh. Incredible masterpiece of a film. Nice. Prevenge, Alice Lowe. What about you? I would uh, recommend the French film The Intouchables or Untouchables, mm. one of the two. Mm. And, you know, mm. if you fancy some, like, light entertainment... RuPaul's Drag Race USA or UK. They're pretty good. Right, so thank you so much for joining us. Uh next week we're going to talk our top 5. We're going to we're going to we're going to swing all the way from villains to something else that's filled with villains but is a bit more lighthearted. Um our top 5 Disney animation classics. Yeah. Yeah, those are the it started with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves all the way back in the 40s or earlier. When was mm-hmm. that film? I think it was the 40s. 
uh, up to the most recent Disney classic is Frozen 2, maybe. Is it Frozen 2? Um, so we'll be doing our top five of those, which will be wonderful. And we'll also be discussing Schindler's List, so something for everyone. <laughs> and, and whatever I'm watching. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 4. That's ridiculous. <laughs> we can't in the same 15-minute span discussions list and Friday the 13th Part 4. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. But, yeah, we will. Um, right. Uh, please come and find us on social media. We've got links to all our social media in the show notes for today, uh, along with links to all the things we discussed in Culture Catch-Up. So go and have a look at those. Join us on social media. Send us your top fives. We want to hear them. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and everywhere else you can review podcasts. We would super appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we love you very much. Thank you for yeah. listening. Thank you. All right. Love you. Bye. 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 Bye.